Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Saskatchewan's number one sports talk show is on. And now starting an hour earlier, welcome inside the Radio Octagon. This is the Sports Cage on 620 CKRM. Filling in for Michael Ball. Here's Sean Kleisinger. All right, here we go. Is it time to play some football yet? Not quite yet. Game day not quite in the air. Will be tomorrow. Saskatchewan Rough Riders taking on the Edmonton Elks at Mosaic Stadium. 7 o'clock kickoff at, uh, yes, Mosaic. And we have an awesome show lined up for you today. We have a lot of guests and a lot of conversations to be had. Uh, in segment two here, Ben Wagner, the radio voice of the Toronto Blue Jays, will hop on the Western Pizza Hotline and talk Blue Jays baseball because Toronto had a very big win yesterday. Things were looking very gloomy for the Bluebirds yesterday in the south side of Chicago, but then Vladdy Guerrero Jr. stepped to the plate and uh, hit a big home run, so we'll talk with Ben Wagner. And yes, we are playing the Edmonton Elks tomorrow. Saskatchewan Rough Riders taking on the Elks, and we will be joined by a couple Edmonton Elks wide receivers on today's show. Manny Arsenault, who currently is on the six-game injured list, unfortunately, with a knee injury. Uh, He will be at the bottom of the hour, 335-ish. And then in hour three, Gino Lewis, who is also currently injured right now for the Edmonton Elks, he will join us at uh, 5.05. A whole lot of rider audio as well from after practice today. Amari Henderson, one-on-one with our own Blaine Weiland, who is across the board from me here. And uh, Kendall Watson, who is penciled in to the starting lineup for your Saskatchewan Rough Riders for tomorrow's big tilt versus them Elks. And uh, might hear from Logan Bandy as well, because Logan Bandy, as uh, we learned yesterday, Peter Godber is out with injury. So uh, Logan Bandy will get the start at center for the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. And QB number one, number seven in the game day program, Trevor Harris. We will hear from him as well today. And uh, Mike Hogan, the voice of the Toronto Argonauts. Morley Scott, the voice of the Edmonton Elks. Marshall Hamilton, former Reiner defensive back. And uh, Bob Poley, yes, Polecat will be joining us for uh, Wednesday's Where Are They Now at 5.35. So a loaded show, a lot to talk about, but uh, let's start right here. And by the way, all of those great guests on today's show will appear on the Western Pizza Hotline. You can order the Rough Riders Sweet Deal from Western Pizza and enter your name for a chance to watch a game from a stadium luxury suite. And I also forgot to mention as well, the quarterback for the Gamecocks. Mason Nias will be joining us at about 4.15. If you haven't heard, well, Mason Nias, he is a national champion. His flag football team won the Nationals in Halifax, Nova Scotia over the weekend. And we already talked with Colton Clausen on Monday, I think it was. But, man, I want to dive more into this thing. I, I want some more 
meat and potatoes on what this experience was like. So Mason Nias, QB number one of the Gamecocks, that is their name. He will join us at 4.15 right here on the Sports Cage. But uh, we were talking about, uh, you know, roster spots, starting lineups and such for your Saskatchewan Rough Riders. Well, yes, the depth chart has been released for the Riders. And by no surprise, Jane Dalkey is back in the starting lineup at free safety after missing the last game at McMahon Stadium versus the Calgary Stampeders. So that's good news for the Ruffies, no doubt about it. And no surprise here as well because we all knew Gerald Hawkins was down with injury. That also, you know, happening uh, in in that game versus the Stampeders. Brandon Council will get the start at left tackle for the Rough Riders tomorrow. And this is good news. Colin Kelly, he was kind of a question mark throughout the week with an illness, I believe. Uh, he is penciled in to start at right tackle for your Saskatchewan Rough Riders tomorrow night. Already uh, mentioned Logan Bandy. He will be your center tomorrow. Kendall Watson will be in uh, for the injured Jake Winicky. And uh, Coach Craig Dickinson was actually asked about Jake Winicky after practice today. He was asked, you know, what is the severity on Jake's injury? We don't know. That's why he's on the sixth game. We're hoping we can get him back sooner than than later, but we're not sure right now. And just uh, the changes along the offensive line, Colin Kelly uh, back, but uh, Logan Bandy, new but old center. Yeah, yeah. Logan's going to start for us at center in this game. Uh, Colin's going to be at right tackle, and and Brandon is going to be, Council's going to be our left tackle. We feel good about the group. What's your appraisal of Council so far? Um, first of all, he's athletic and he's he's physical. So those are two good attributes. Um, he's played across the board, Rob. He's played center, guard, and tackle in his college career. So he has a broad range of experience. Um, he's been a pleasant pleasant addition. We didn't know what we are going to get, but when he came to camp, we could tell right away he was a good football player and and he's just gotten progressively better. So we're excited to see him go. How important has his development been, especially in light of some of the injury-related challenges? Super important. Yeah, we, you know, we knew we had to get better at tackle in the offseason. I think Jeremy and Kyle and Paul Jones, our football crew, brought in some good ones, but we've had some injuries there as well. So having, uh, having Brandon play and play well at tackle has been great. How nice to have someone, you know, kind of waiting in the wings as talented and cerebral as Mitch picked in to step in for Jake. Yeah, it's it's big. I mean, and Mitch, Mitch, you can play Mitch anywhere, and he's going to help you win games. So we feel like he's kind of our our ace in the hole, so to speak. Where if we have an injury or if we we need need an extra guy, he can step in and play. He's a good enough player to start in this league, but the fact that he's so versatile and he knows every position, we feel like he has additional value backing up. In, in multiple spots as well. So I'm happy to see Mitch get his start, and I think he's going to have a good game. With the unknown component of your receiving core in this game, how important is it to continue to run the ball as well as you have been? Super important. You're right. I mean, uh, the passing game, you, you don't want to lean on it too heavily if you don't have to. So we're going to really try hard to establish a run. And, um, you know, when they overcommit, which we hope they do to the run, we're going to try to take some shots on them. So. Um, it's a combination of both, but the running game certainly plays a big role in, in success. You know, when I talked to Logan just before we came off the field, he was saying how much the, the guys like the run blocking. And is that evident in what you see on the film? Oh, yeah. Yeah, most old linemen you talk to them, they like to, they like to fire off the ball as opposed to step back. So, yeah, we, we try our best. We'd run it every down if we could, but or I would run it every down if I could. <laughs> But Kelly calls a good game. I'll let him call call the game the way he sees it. 
Like, how would you describe that offensive line just as a, a cast of characters? Like, yeah, it's just a, it's a ragtag bunch, but they sure enjoy playing together. They enjoy being around each other. I think it's a good, it's a good group, and there's good chemistry there. So I, it's, a, it's a good bunch. Coach, it's been a, a year since you won a home game, a regular season home game. Is something that is in the back of your mind to give the fans that, that experience again? And is that something you thought of at all? Uh, yeah, we've talked a little bit about taking care of business at home. I haven't specifically mentioned how long it's been because I, I don't want to put pressure on the guys. I mean, they know it's a big game. Uh, Edmonton knows it's a big game for them as well. Um, so we've, we've worked really hard this week to focus on just improving, to focus on um, having good days of practice, a day one, day two, day three. But I think for the veteran guys, they know it's been a while. And there's really nothing like walking off that field uh, victorious. And we hope to be there tomorrow. But it's going to take a lot of work, and it's going to be a tough game. What's it like playing the same team uh, so early in the season twice? It's actually kind of nice because there's not a ton of film work that you need to do so you can focus more on yourself. But I know Edmonton's going to come in and do some different things. And, and we're going to do some different things too. So there'll be some stuff that neither one of us have seen. Injuries are one thing, but it seems like there's some sort of illness that has gone through the, the during this week as well. Yeah, we had a few guys that had the flu, but we we think that uh, we think that they're all back and ready to roll. But yeah, we've had some some sickness come through. But I think our training staff's done a good job of keeping the guys away that are sick, and and fortunately, it hasn't spread too much. With Brett, uh, he had a leg injury. Is he? Brett's gonna be fine. He's just a little bit stiff, so we held him out at day three. There's a retro theme tomorrow. Is there a retro side to Craig Dickinson? Is there something nostalgic? I think retro is, is my, my main calling card. I don't think I've gone past retro. <laughs> so this is an old sweatshirt that I got probably five years ago. So uh, I'm just going to wear what they give me. And uh, hopefully we, play, we play, um, play well and give the fans something to cheer about. You look happy when we play the 80s music, too. I do like 80s music. I had to explain to them I was... That's when I grew up. So we have a we have a thing where the player of the game gets to choose the music, and we have a couple old souls on the team that that chose some old stuff. So it was a fun week listening to that. So do you have some Bananarama stuff that you pull out? Uh, that's know? not my genre, but I do know who they are. Craig, <laughs> you play, you coach against Taylor Cornelius enough. When it's clicking for him, what makes him so dangerous? When it's clicking, he's he's a handful. There's no doubt. Well, he's he's very athletic, and I think he's tough as nails. And I think guys really rally around him. So uh, when he's playing well, he can make it a long day. So uh, we hope to confuse him a little bit. We hope to try to keep him uh, from having a big day. But he's a he's a very talented football player, and I think I think when he's clicking, he gives him a chance. And Trevor talked about the Elks' defense. Just wanted to your comment on this. You said they're the Biggest reason why they're keeping them in games right now. No doubt. That defense is really good. That defensive line's good. Um, and they, they run to the football. So uh, it's going to be a tough game. I mean, our guys know it. I don't think Edmonton's uh, as bad as their record would indicate. I think they're a much better team than 0-4. Um, and, uh, you know, we know we know it's going to be a tough game. So we've had a, a, a good week of practice. I think our focus is good. And we know we got to play our best game to beat them. Week one, it's early, but was there any jumping off points that you could build on from that week one win going forward? Well, just that we made some plays late when we needed to. So I felt like there was a little bit of, of uh, 
resiliency that we we could show to the guys and build off of. And I think the idea that when we needed to be at our best, we were at our best. And hopefully that carries over. And that is Craig Dickinson after a walkthrough today. Uh, Riders getting set to take on the Elks tomorrow at uh, 7 o'clock at Mosaic Stadium. We're going to step aside and talk some baseball in a few moments here with the radio voice of the Toronto Blue Jays, Ben Wagner. You are listening to the Sports Cage here on 620 CKRM. I'm humble, general manager, and I'm excited to invite you to our friends and family event. Save $7,500 on our brand new E53 AMG sedan. Plus, check out our all-new EQ lineup. Come check out our Mercedes-Benz certified pre-owned inventory and explore a wide range of over 500 pre-owned vehicles. Drive it home today. The friends and family event is on now. We're talking baseball with the latest on the Jays and the MLB. It's Around the Horn with Ben Wagner on the Sports Cage on 620 CKRM. We are joined by the radio voice of the Toronto Blue Jays here on this Wednesday inside the Sports Cage, plus 23 outside here in the Queen City, Regina, Saskatchewan. Ben, big uh, 4-3 win last night in the south side of Chicago versus those White Sox. And uh, boy, oh boy, that might have been the biggest home run of the season for the Blue Jays last night. Vladdy Jr. coming through with that big knock. I was really down in the dumps before you know Vladdy came to the plate, but after he hit that home run, it seemed like my whole life turned around. I was like, yes! Uh, you and that entire dugout, if you look back at the pictures, right? The celebration of Bobuchet, Alejandro Kirk, George Springer, Matt Chapman certainly relieved a lot of the pressure that the Blue Jays were, were facing after a relatively good start in that ball game, both uh, against a tough picture like Lucas Giolito and the way that Chris Bassett had been dealing. But then, you know, you, you beat a guy that's crushing home runs like crazy. I mean, there's no secret that Luis Robert is out there just crushing the baseball right now. I uh, beat him on sinkers twice and then flips a curveball in there. That's a very interesting decision in game calling, regardless of who that rests on. Uh, that That is a glaring mistake, and it almost cost the Blue Jays. But thankfully, Vladimir Guerrero Jr., with a little thunder the opposite way, uh, got the Blue Jays on top, and they were able to seal it up. Yeah, your guy Whit Merrifield came through with a nice game last night, too. I think he finished uh, two for four, a couple ribbies. I guess I should say all-star Whit Merrifield, one of four Jays going to uh, Seattle next week for the Midsummer Classic. Uh, man, you were right. I think it was a couple weeks ago you were saying, you know, Whit Merrifield has been my favorite Blue, Day, uh, Blue Jay to watch. And ever since you said that, I've just been kind of watching his game a little more closely. And I'm right there with you. Like, whether he's hitting in the two-hole, seven hole eight hole i don't care like that is a fun baseball player to watch isn't he he sure is you know and i give whit merrifield the eye test more than anything i i don't really do data dives i look i don't look at sprint speeds i look at situations where he runs the moments that he chooses to use his wheels whether it's from first to second second to third whether it's dropping down a bunt whether it's the versatility what he can do to defensively at second base or left field. Uh, the eye test for me tells you all you need to know about Whit Merrifield. The fact that he's going to the All-Star game tells you everything you know about how he's received and revered within the game as well. I really have been pleasantly surprised at how much of an impact and how much of a steady. I knew he was a dull. I knew he was a baseball player. I knew he was a grinder. 
uh, in a short amount of time interacting or being around him in Kansas City, let alone even the smaller sample size after the trade last year. Yeah. He's, he's making an impact in that clubhouse right now, and it's a wonderful reward for him to get to go to Seattle. Yeah, him alongside Kevin Gosman, Vladdy Jr., and uh, Bo Bichette will be uh, heading to Seattle for the All-Star game coming up here on uh, Tuesday. Now, this is an obvious question here, but maybe you can just expand on this. How important is it for these Blue Jays to enter the All-Star break on a high note? I mean, sitting two games back of the Yankees for the last wild card spot going into tonight. Have a couple more games versus the White Sox before going to Detroit. But from like a fan's perspective, uh, I would just hate that feeling going into the All-Star break off a lackluster type road trip and, you know, maybe sitting five games out of a wild card or something like that. That's why, as I said off the top, that Vladdy homer last night was just like so rewarding because who knows what would have happened from there. Yeah, you want momentum. And this is a road trip that for a long time has been identified as a softer pocket. You know, White Sox are underperforming. They've got a tremendous amount of talent offensively. They've gotten inconsistent results from their starting rotation. Their bullpen has been used, I don't think, to their advantage either. They've been put in tough spots and just really rolled out there. So this was this was a trap series. You have to go out. You have to play well, certainly, but it's a series that the Blue Jays certainly should win, let alone continue success against and then sweep. Uh, and then you go to Detroit. You know, Detroit is young. They've got some guys that are certainly trying to figure it out. Depleted pitching staff now for the course of years, but they just don't have the big horses that they had even last year because uh, they shopped a lot of them off at the trade deadline and then in the offseason. So this was an easy earmark for, hey, let's get a little bit of momentum from a Blue Jay perspective into the All-Star break. Let's keep chugging forward, regardless of where you're at. Now, because you're coming on the heels of a sweep at the hands of the Boston Red Sox, you didn't play as well over the month of June as what you certainly wanted to. This is a springboard into the unofficial second half for the Blue Jays. And it's got a number of important reasons around it. One, getting the guys rest and then lined up for the second half. Even before you get there, now you've got Alec Manoa coming back. You've got the extra day for Kevin Gosman. Uh, I, I have my own theories about why that shift was made from from two perspectives. Kevin Gosman wants to pitch in the All-Star game. This lines him up to use a pseudo bull, bullpen day on Tuesday if he can pitch in the ball game. And then the Alec Manoa thing I'm sure we're going to dive into a mm-hmm. little bit later. But this this is a really important pocket of play for the Blue Jays. What is now six games, five games left, and they're 1-0. This is a really important momentum kind of shift for the Blue Jays. Yeah, radio voice of the Toronto Blue Jays, Ben Wagner here on the Western Pizza Hotline. Let's talk about Alec Manoa. Set to get the start here on Friday at Comerica Park. He finished with a pretty nice stat line down in New Hampshire on the weekend. I'm still surprised, though, you know, he is back up this soon considering he was getting rocked by the Yankee teenagers just last week or the week before, whatever it was. Uh, are you surprised that Manoa is back in the rotation this year, uh, this early or no? I am. Uh, one, I, I don't put as much stock into the pitching line in that Florida complex league that a lot of people, you know, bristle when they see it. Like, how in the world can this happen? The hits, the the runs. There are so many things that go into it. There are so many things that develop into a specific outing. You know, and the Blue Jays did not offer us any sort. They didn't make excuses. Absolutely, they did not make excuses for Alec Manoa. Uh, he wants to record outs. But we don't know that 
you know, he was working on something mechanically and had to throw or wanted to throw. I mean, it's his mm-hmm. career. You know, he, he doesn't have fastball command, and he wants to throw 15 consecutive fastballs. Well, an 18-year-old can figure that out, you know, that he's only throwing heaters. And then he goes up there. I've seen a million of these rehab assignments in A-ball and in AAA, and I've talked to guys as they come back from minor league rehab assignments in the big leagues. They, they have trouble. You know, they've got guys that go up there with not an advanced scout. You're unfamiliar with the player. And the players unfamiliar with them, they're gripping the snot out of the bat, just trying to do something spectacular for the highlight reel. Uh, again, I downplayed that complexly. More importantly, seeing the video as well from Manoa at Double A, he got a lot of chases outside the zone that I don't know that he's going to get in the major leagues. It's an innings mark, of course, that is encouraging for Alec. The amount of pitches that he threw, the amount of strikes that he was able to throw. Those are encouraging. I don't think that that translates, though, to Major League success. What we saw, and for weeks now, a month, a month, we've heard it for a month, the player will tell you when he's ready to come back. Well, that might be as simple as the stuff should tell you that the player is ready to come back. I don't know that you put everything in in the player's lap where all of a sudden Alec Manoa wakes up one day and he says, I'm ready for the big leagues today. That is certainly giving Alec Manoa a lot of power in terms of making the decision on where he is to pitch at the next time. I, I hope it goes well. I really do. Uh, I was led to believe for the better part of a week that he was going to get another minor league assignment. They really wanted him to go up to A, face a larger level of competition as well. But one thing that the Blue Jays were certainly skittish on is the automatic balls and strikes. Mm. And if he were to throw with the ABS system, that could have really given him problems and, and may have not worked in his favor, may have worked as a detractor because That's Alec Manoa yep. uses a lot of deception yep. in his pitches, and he gets a lot of chase. And if there are challenges in, in, in those things, and those, those things are very real and they exist, and they're why <laughs> minor league baseball right now is trying to figure out why the game is slowing down with the challenge system is because guys can't throw enough strikes. Yep. And um, this could have worked against Alec Manoa in this scenario. Hey, wouldn't that be such a great feeling, though, if Manoa, you know, hits to the mound on Friday and has a lights-out outing going into the All-Star break and maybe sneak in a win streak here for the Toronto Blue Jays? Things would be uh, feeling really good. Hey, have a good call tonight, Ben, and uh, we'll talk to you next week. My pleasure. Talk to you then. That's the radio voice of the Toronto Blue Jays, Ben Wagner, with us here on the Western Pizza Hotline. We are going to hit the break, and on the other side, we will chat with Manny Arsenault, wide receiver for the Edmonton Elks, former Rough Rider, as well, of course, back in 2019. You are listening to the Sports Cage on 620 CKRM. Now bringing you three hours of the hottest sports talk. This is the Sports Cage on 620 CKRM. All right, it's 3.34 here on this Wednesday. Sean Kleisinger filling in for Michael Ball today. Blaine Wyland across the board from me. All of today's guests up here on the Western Pizza Hotline. Order the Rough Rider Sweet Deal from Western Pizza and enter your name in for a chance to watch a game from a stadium luxury suite. That sounds pretty cool. I want that package, Blaine. And uh, honored now to be joined on the Western Pizza Hotline by former Saskatchewan Rough Riders receiver and current Edmonton Elks receiver, Manny Arsenault. Manny, how are you doing today, my friend? Man, I'm doing all right. Awesome, man. So how, how are you feeling? You were placed on the six-game injury list with, a, with a, a knee injury. What can you tell us about the injury? Because we all know the Canadian man. Football League, man, is better when Manny is out there. 
Man, everything is going as planned. Um, kind of ahead of schedule, but taking it day by day. Finally back um, sprinting and running. We'll soon be going into the change of direction and all that work next week as I enter, what, the end of week three going into four. But, um, nah, I'm excited, man, with the progress and just the day-to-day hustle and grind that have been going into getting back healthy and out there on the field. So there was obviously probably a nice sigh of relief knowing that it wasn't going to be, you know, like a season-ending type thing. Am I correct in saying that? Nah, you absolutely correct. Um, so that was the biggest thing, man, not just having your season um, cut short the second week into the season, but knowing that um, having time on my side and um, opportunity to train and get back healthy was the biggest blessing. And it's kind of good, like it's kind of tricky being that within our six weeks, it's a fast but long six weeks due to the short turnaround. Mm-hmm being that how the games are going. So, it, 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 no, it's kind of tricky, but, like, you think the six-week, six-game IR be long, but if you're looking at the games that we plan, we are, I'm going to be, what, going into the fourth game next week after um, we play the Rough Riders this weekend when you look at it. So, it's one of those ones, man. Just got to make most of um, the day-to-day grind and hustle. Yeah, man, and uh, your Elks, like you said, will be at Mosaic Stadium tomorrow night. And, hey, Manny, how does it make you feel knowing that, you know, on game day there are still multiple people wearing Manny Arsenal Ryder jerseys around town and at the stadium? I noticed some on the home opener. I mean, man, you are loved and still are loved by this fan base, even though you were only here for that 2019 season. How does that make you feel knowing that? Man, it's a blessing, you know, to see fans still wearing my jersey and seeing my last name on the back, whether they purchased it in 2009, 2019, or an Edmonton fan getting one in 2022. But, uh, man, that's what the grind all about. And I kind of do what I do for the fans, as I was doing the interview the other day and explaining that to people. Because if it wasn't for the fans, there wouldn't be no mini show. So everything I do is for those folks, man, whether it's a – six-year-old child or 50-year-old um, season ticket holder, CFL fan. You know, it's all about them, man. And not once um, do I take this game for granted. So the fastest and healthiest way I can get back out there, man, that's why I'm fighting to do what I got to do to be able to perform and get back out on the field. Edmonton Elks wide receiver Manny Arsenal with us here on the Western Pizza Hotline. So, Manny, when you think about your time here in Saskatchewan a few years ago, what is uh, your most fond memory? Is there there an interaction with a fan maybe that you had or a certain play? What brings a smile to Manny's face? (laughs) Man, besides that Hail Mary ball I caught in 2010 to take it into overtime, (laughs) Mm -hmm. um... That was the best memory in Mosaic, but when we're speaking of Saskatchewan, um, the new Mosaic and everything in the 2019 season, the, being there, um, basically it shows you that's what playing CFL football is all about. The fans are about their riders. You know, they're going to stick by you when you're winning, when you're losing, but every time you step foot in public, they let you know that your presence is felt, whether it's a kid, like I said, or a parent. People recognize you, um, and you can always engage in um, football talk. And I think that was one of the um, biggest things that kind of caught my eye and just gives you that love for the game, man, is when you've been in Regina and those folks eat. 
Ooh, and we uh, accidentally lost Manny Arsenal there on the Western Pizza Hotline. Maybe uh, uh, maybe we'll hit the break here, and then we'll try to get a hold of uh, Manny unless he calls back here. But uh, Manny, of course, is on the six-game injured list right now, so he will not be in the lineup, obviously, tomorrow night at Mosaic Stadium when the Elks take on the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. But uh, Manny Arsenal, uh, as you heard him at the start of the conversation there, it sounds like it's looking up for him. You know, he's he's running, and uh, he's just grateful that, uh, you know, this isn't a long-term thing as far as his injury goes. We'll try to get a hold of Manny once again. We're going to take a quick break here. You are listening to the Sports Cage. It's game day eve here on 620 CKRM. We're talking sports on your way home. This is the Sports Cage on Sports Radio 620 CKRM. And it's 340 here inside the sports cage, and we are joined by Manny Arsenal here on the Western Pizza Hotline. And Manny, it's uh, you were talking about, you know, just the fan interaction while you were with the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. That is kind of the thing that uh, you think of most when uh, you think about your time here in 2019. Yeah, yeah, that's what I was saying, man. They just make it, it, it's just a wonderful experience knowing that those folks, like I said, eat, sleep, and breathe Rough Riders football. And no, and anywhere you go within that community, they kind of let it be known. Mm-hmm. But it's best to be on the winning side of things. Because <laughs> yeah. when you're not, boy, they're gonna have a million and one questions. You know, everybody become the the the, the front room, sit on the couch, GM and head coach. So, but nah, man, it's um, it was an excellent time out there, and um. Nah, it was worth it, man. Due to the fans, I enjoyed it. Hey, Manny, I know uh, you have been out a few weeks, but, you know, you still know this locker room. There has been a lot said of head coach Chris Jones's way of dealing with the quarterbacks the past few weeks. I know a lot of people were yeah. surprised to see that Cornelius was pulled in the first place. Uh, I don't yeah. want to put you in a, on the spot here, man, but what are your thoughts on how the quarterback situation has been dealt with? It must be tough not knowing who the guy is. Right, but, you know, at the end of the day, man, that decision's made – through your, your GM, your head coach, and those guys upstairs. And um, you know what? Whatever decisions it is that they make, you kind of got to go with it. But, um, you know, this is a QB-driven league, and, 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 and they method of things, you know, that might be the answer that they have. But I know regardless of who's behind the center, like I tell all those guys, man, when you get in there, that's your opportunity to lead, and that's your opportunity to make your presence felt. And um, not to take these moments for granted. And, and whoever back there, like, you have the keys to the vehicle. This is your team. So um, it's just all about going out there and having that consistent play and taking care of business. And if one of the quarterbacks do that, you know, that'll eliminate the who's going to be behind center this week talk. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. So we just got to handle business and execute and, and do our job. And sometimes when coach make a switch, it's not because a guy's playing bad. It might just be for you to sit back, hit the refresh button, and um, see the game differently um, and put you in the mindset of how you're going to attack it when given opportunity again. So sometimes you need that humbling experience just to get your stuff right as an athlete. That's like me being in the game. I drop a ball. They pull me. Um, I can't get upset with them because, you know what, I made the mistake, but now when I'm not in – my focus is going to be the small details and the little things that I need to take um, advantage of when given an opportunity to play again. Yeah. Manny Arsenal, wide receiver for the Elks here 
on the Western Pizza Hotline. And uh, so is there a date that you kind of have circled on your calendar, Manny, where, you know, you're kind of thinking to yourself, that's when I want to be back. That's when I want to be back. My, my date circled on my calendar right now is, um, what's that, July 29th, because that's when my six-week period ends. And I'm taking it um, day by day. But I know for me, man, if I was able to come back, not next week, but the week after that, to play those Boo Bombers, man, that would have been one marked on my calendar. But, um, you know, I'm following doctor's order, the team, the staff, and all of them. So I just want to make sure when I do get the tap on the shoulder that I'm ready so I don't have to get ready. And if it's going to be at the end of the six-week period, you know what, I'm going to be ready to go because – Mine falls into a bye week, the very first bye. So I'm blessed with that extra time as well. But um, I've been in the game a long time. I know my body. So I just always prepare for worst-case scenario. And that's why I always want to make sure that I'm ready at all times. Yeah, man. This has been fun, Manny Arsenal. Thanks for uh, hopping on here on these Regina, Saskatchewan airwaves. You're welcome on any time. Like I was saying during the interview, uh, big-time fan favorite here at Rider Nation. I see jerseys all the time, Manny. So uh, thanks again for your time, my friend. No, no. Thanks for having me. That's uh, Manny Arsenal, wide receiver for the Edmonton Elks, and his Edmonton Elks are in town tomorrow night to take on your Saskatchewan Rough Riders. 7 o'clock kickoff at Mosaic Stadium. Our pregame show, by the way, will be on the air at 4 o'clock. Countdown to kickoff with Daniela Ponticelli. But also, we will have a one-hour sports cage tomorrow. Michael Ball back in the big chair. Uh, we'll take you through the show from 3 to 4, and then right at 4 o'clock, we will uh, be chatting uh, with Daniela Ponticelli, uh, the Professor Don Hewitt, as well as, I believe, Wes Cates will be back this week as well. We're going to talk some more Edmonton Elks on the other side of the break. The opposition for your Saskatchewan Rough Riders tomorrow night. The voice of the Elks on 630. Chad Morley Scott waiting in the wings. That's coming up next. You are listening to the Sports Cage on 620 CKRM. The Kings of Saskatchewan Sports Talk. This is the Sports Cage on 620 CKRM. 348 inside the Sports Cage. The Regina Pats made a pair of selections today in the CHL import draft. They took a 2005-born goaltender from France. His name is Yuen Huey. I wonder if he's related to Cristobal. He is. Is he actually? He's actually the son of Cristobal Huey. Let's go. I knew it. I knew it in my bones. That's why I said it. Thank you, Blaine Weiland. That is is pretty cool, though. Uh, Regina Pats drafted him today in that import draft. And the other one was uh, Stan Solberg. Now, I think that's the way you pronounce the first name. Apologies if it's not, but uh, Solberg is a 2005-born defenseman from Norway. So uh, that's very exciting. Welcome to the Queen City to both of those uh, uh, kids. And maybe we can have Cristobal Huey, former goaltender for the Canadiens de Montreal in the Queen City sometime. Hey, Blaine, why you got a smile on your face? You know what I'm cooking I always here. love it when you bust out those accents. Yeah, you know what I'm cooking here. <laughs> you that's... Montreal Canadian fans, you. <laughs> That's a that's a sweet news from the Regina Pats today, and uh, well, we have a big game tomorrow, man. And uh, I feel like I wish I could just lay my head on this desk, close my eyes, and then open them up, and for it to be kickoff time. You know that feeling, you know when you just you're tired of waiting around. You just want the game to start, man. 
Well, uh, we got to wait a little bit longer, just over 24 hours away until the Elks and Rough Riders kick off at 7 o'clock tomorrow night at Mosaic Stadium. And uh, we are joined by the voice of the Edmonton Elks on 630, Chad Morley Scott on the Western Pizza Hotline. Morley, how you? Uh, how are you doing today? I'm good, thanks, uh, Zinger. We can't start the game right now. I got too much work to do before kickoff. Still, so yeah. I'd be in trouble if we're starting right now. You you know you know that feeling though, right? Or or, or is it different when you're actually calling the game? It's just kind of uh, like. Yeah, I think it's 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 the same. But uh, it, it, when you look at the situation with these two clubs, uh, the Riders been off for a week, right? They're coming mm-hmm. off a bye week. The Elks just played on Friday. They got a short week here, so yeah. uh, they're having tr- they're getting you know it's a little tougher to get everything that you got to get done, whether it be me preparing or the team preparing. Uh, it'd be nice to have an extra day, but uh, I'm excited for it. it. Should be a good game tomorrow. Yeah, I'm just an impatient fan, you know. I'm I'm just an impatient fan who throws tantrums when my football is not on the old TV or on the old. <laughs> Uh, uh, radio airwaves. Well, Morley, uh, Taylor Cornelius, once again, he's the guy. He's the guy. What do you make of the Daggy experiment? Uh, it was okay. Uh, he was he was not very good at the start of the game. I mean, he had, I think, three or four two and outs to start that game in Ottawa. Got better as they went along. I was just doing some work here, and it was their best game this season as far as second down conversion goes uh, they were at 45 percent in that game so uh, there's a positive spot from it but uh i think that i'm not that surprised that they're going back to taylor cornelius this week yeah what are some positive things when you look at this edmonton oaks team in the prior weeks you know it's hard to draw positives when you're losing every single game but uh you just mentioned a little positive there maybe give our listeners a couple other things that the edmonton elks are doing rather well right now and they're gonna try taking that momentum and to the game tomorrow night. Yeah, I'll be honest with you. The last game in Ottawa was the first game where I kind of came away from it thinking there wasn't a lot to be happy about in that game. There wasn't a lot to build on. There wasn't a lot to be uh, to put in the positive file. The previous games, there was always something. Even, you know, you go, you could always pick out a point in the game. You go back to week one against the Riders, and if the Elks score on that goal line uh, stand that the defense put up for Saskatchewan, they probably win the football game. But they got stopped three times and didn't win it. So you're saying, okay, they were close at least, right? And every game we've been able to pick something out, uh, whether it be, be, the, be the play of uh, the kick returner, C.J. Sims, who had a great game a couple of games ago, or, or a certain receiver or, or whatever playing well or a defensive player playing well. But that game against Otto is pretty hard uh, to muster up any positives in that game. I mean, that must have been a real disappointing game for you know the guys, the coaching staff, and the fans because that was a game that uh, you know Edmonton Elks fans, I'm sure, thought that they were going to go into Ottawa and maybe you know get the first one of the season, and it ended up being literally the worst game of the season, and albeit against a you know backup quarterback who is now unfortunately out for the season. Tyree Adams uh, announced today he will miss the rest of the season for the Red Blacks, but that must have been a real downer, wasn't it, for, for the yeah, team and yeah, for the Yeah, it fan was. Base? I mean, you went, went into the game, both teams were in the same position looking for their first win. Both teams were starting a quarterback for the first time in his career, and uh you know the old saying, right? Uh, when you lose to the worst team in the league, what does that make you? Mm. And uh, that's kind of what was on the line in that game. We call it the Schneid Bowl because somebody was getting <laughs> off the Schneid. Yeah, yeah. And uh, it was Ottawa who ended up getting it. And again, there was there was things uh, you can point to certain things in the game. I mean, it was uh, sixteen to six in the third quarter, and uh, uh, Kyron Moore dropped what could have been a touchdown pass. And you think if he hauls that one in and gets to the end zone, all of a sudden it's a it's a sixteen thirteen game. 
and it's a one-score game now. You're just a field goal away, and that changes the whole complexion. Instead, Ottawa gets a touchdown right after that, and boom, you're in a massive hole. So, uh, yeah, it just was not uh, not a great night all around for the Elks. So last time we talked, Morley Scott, radio voice of uh, the Edmonton Elks on 630 Chet, last time we talked, uh, we were kind of talking about how the, the fan base is just absolutely fed up. You know, they want to see a win. They want to see a winner. Uh, there must be some turmoil in the air right now around Commonwealth, around the city of Edmonton when it comes to the coach, Chris Jones. I don't want to put you on the spot here, but, you know, do fans want to see a change at the head coaching position? Because I'm sure they need to, they need something to cheer for here. It's getting absolutely ridiculous from a fan's perspective. Absolutely right, especially when, you know, they've got 19 straight games at home. I was, I was kind of laughing today. I was at the uh, the Riders walkthrough and, uh, uh, Craig Dickinson and Trevor Harris were both asked about, you know, it's been almost a year since you've won at home. I think somebody said it was 360 days, and I'm thinking, 360 days? Nah, that's like nothing. <laughs> 1,400 days for the Elks. It's been since 2019. And, of course, the Trevor Harris had the good answer. The one that I agree with is, oh, are we counting off days now, off-season days? Because, uh, you know, a lot of those days uh, for the Elks came during the, the COVID year when there was, was no football, and there's three off-seasons in there as well. So, it's uh, in my mind, it's 19 days because they played 19 games right and mm-hmm. and lost them at home but that's uh that's another story but they need something you're right the fans need something to cheer about uh and they haven't had it for a long time especially at home and there's a certain there's a certain group of fans who uh, definitely want to see some changes uh with chris jones but i don't think that's imminent i don't think if if they do make a change i don't think it would be to the end of the season i mean uh, Chris Jones has had, uh, what, 22 games to turn this around. Uh, and he had a big mess to clean up. And, I mean, uh, obviously we know what happened last year with, with four wins. They've got off to a terrible start this year. But I think everybody in the organization believes they're better than an 0-4 team. But then they're an 0-4 team, right? Because as the old saying goes, your record is what your record is, right? You are what your record says you are. And uh, I think that's uh, – it's, it's way too early, I think, to – to get into that, uh, the Elks are still paying uh, the last coach that they fired. Uh, they're still paying the last general manager that they fired. They're still paying the last president that they fired. So uh, cleaning house is not always the answer, right? Sometimes you have to have some some continuity. Sometimes you have to stick with the plan and let the plan develop. Sometimes it's a little slower than people want. And I think when you throw in what's happened uh, under the previous regime and then you mix in a bad start for this regime, and I think a lot of people are just, as I, you said earlier, just kind of getting fed up with it all. They just, they just want to see some wins. It doesn't matter how you market in pro sports, uh, wins fixes almost everything, and the Elks haven't had many of those in the last three years, none of them this year, of course. Yeah, and there is a, a positive that came to mind uh, for the Edmonton Elks going into tomorrow night, and that is uh, Taylor Cornelius. I think it was the last time he played at Mosaic Stadium. He was running around like Tracy Ham. He was Randall Cunningham. He was Mike yes, Vick. Yes, <laughs> Had a big, I think he had like a big 50 or 60 yard run on one play in that game, and the Alex ended up winning it with a Sergio Castillo field goal late in the game to win it. So mm-hmm. that was uh, last fall, last September, I believe, uh, when they were here for the uh, the last time. So yeah, he's comfortable here. He's familiar playing here. We'll see what happens tomorrow. And uh, you know, he's playing with a bit of a chip on his shoulder. There's no doubt about that. Uh, and you know, he was actually. 
when you look at the numbers he's put up, the, the game he was taken out against, against Toronto two games ago, he was having his best game of the season. The bar is not set really high because he struggled, but, I mean, he was completing 75% of his passes. He had a touchdown pass. He had no interceptions. He was having not a bad game, but I think Chris Jones, for some reason, just, just wanted to mix things up a little bit. So he brought in uh, uh, Loxley, and I don't know if Loxley was coming in for a series or a play. Well, it ended up he only came in for a play because he ended up uh, fumbling the ball, and that was the last we've seen of him, and he's signed in Hamilton now since getting released. But uh, Taylor Cornelius was playing okay in that game, so I'm interested to see if he can carry that over and with the changes they're, they're trying to make offensively, if he can be more successful uh, in the game tomorrow night. Yeah, well, thanks for taking a few minutes here. I know uh, you're a busy man. The day before a game is always busy for a play-by-play announcer such as yourself, Morley Scott. So uh, enjoy the rest of the day and uh, enjoy the call tomorrow night at Mosaic Stadium here. A nice Thursday night football game under the lights. Thanks, John. I appreciate it. I always look forward to games in Saskatchewan because uh, the atmosphere is always so great at the ballpark. That's right. Uh, Morley Scott, thank you, my friend, on uh, the Western Pizza Hotline. And uh, it's going to be a good one tomorrow night. I think Taylor Cornelius, like uh, Morley just said there, mighty chip on his shoulder, Blaine Wyland. And I think we're going to you know, see that tomorrow night. I think it's going to be a close ball game that comes right down to the wire. That uh, puts a bow on Hour 1 coming up here in Hour 2. We will speak with another voice of a Canadian Football League team, Mike Hogan, the voice of the Toronto Argonauts, right at 4.05. And then Mason Nias, the quarterback for the Gamecocks, will be alive on the Western Pizza Hotline. He is a national champion, national flag football champion, and uh, his team is set to head to Finland, I believe it is, next summer. So we are going to talk with uh, Mason Nias about that. And also former Riders defensive back Marshall Hamilton coming up at 4.35. You are listening to the sports cage on this Wednesday. It's game day eve on 620 CKRM. Saskatchewan's number one sports talk show is on. And now starting an hour earlier, welcome inside the Radio Octagon. This is the sports cage on 620 CKRM. Filling in for Michael Ball, here's Sean Kleisinger. Plus 23 and sunny here in Regina, Saskatchewan. Day before a big game coming up tomorrow night between the Elks and the Rough Riders. All of today's guests appear on the Western Pizza Hotline. You can order the Rough Riders sweet deal from Western Pizza and enter your name for a chance to watch a game from a stadium luxury suite. Wouldn't that be sweet? Uh, Blaine Wyland. And uh, going across the wire today, I saw there is just one fine in the Canadian Football League this week. That is uh, uh, Edmonton defense alignment Jake Serezna. Maximum amount for that low hit on quarterback Tyree Adams. And unfortunately for Adams, out for the season. And uh, that's not what you want to hear. But uh, that's the reality of the cause right now in the nation capital. In the nation's capital, rather. And Jeremiah Masoli. Well, he's penciled in to start at quarterback for the Ottawa Redblacks on Saturday night uh, versus the Hamilton Tiger Cats. And the Toronto Argonauts, they have a bye week this week because, uh, well, they are coming off that uh, thrilling game on Monday. I want to say it was, it was a, you know, just insert the word, Blaine. It was a fun game to watch. It was kind of weird in a a way. Not every day you see a quarterback throw six interceptions and uh, there was just a lot happening. It was a yeah roller coaster, but as a neutral fan, it was a roller coaster, eh? Because uh, you got the, 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 it was just 
I don't want to say fascinating watching Vernon Adams, but it was just kind of, I don't know how you call yeah. it, describe that watching a quarterback like that in a situation where he went through those six interceptions yeah. there. Oh, Ryder fans enjoyed it. I could tell you that much. And I'm sure uh, the radio voice of the Toronto Argonauts enjoyed it as well. Mike Hogan joins us here on the Western Pizza Hotline. That looked like a fun game to call on Monday night. Uh, things are feeling pretty good in Argoland right now, I'm assuming, Mike Hogan. Yeah, it sure has been. Thanks for having me on the show, guys. And, yeah. and yeah, it has been a lot of fun. Um, you know, we're not too far removed from back-to-back 14 seasons and a good season. So um, when you look back in the you know, recent history, uh, there's been a lot of bad years. And, and to be able to, you know, put out three games so far where ridiculously the Argos are averaging 40 points a game over the first three games of the season. Um, yeah, they've been fun games to call. There's no question about that. Hey, uh, we have AEW Wrestling coming to uh, uh, the Brandt Center here in Regina on Saturday night, and it got me thinking, after the win on Monday, I saw in the Toronto Argonauts locker room, they have like a little wrestling belt going around there. Uh, what's uh, the backstory on that one? I, I laughed because I thought you were going to ask an AJ Olette question. No, oh, maybe that too. <laughs> that that was coming. Thing. <laughs> Yeah, a couple of weeks ago. Um, but, yeah, that's that's the belt. That's the special teams belt. Um, you know, a lot of teams do that out on the field, like a home run jacket or, um, you know, I think it's Hamilton has the hammer they give out. Um, that's done in the locker, locker room after every game. Mickey Donovan, the special teams coordinator, selects a player of the game. Uh, it's, uh, it's a wrestling belt. The guys have a lot of fun with it. Uh, they do that in front of the entire team, and uh, you know everybody joins in on a big cheer afterwards. So uh, it's all part of that team bonding. Every team has something they do, uh, but in terms of post game rituals after a win, that's that's something that uh, the Argos have done. And uh, uh, the guy who wears it in this week, uh, and he'll get it for the bye week as well, will be Javon Lee, who had the 91 yard punt return for a touchdown. Mm-hmm. Um, he's going to wear that with pride. What does Robertson Daniel need to do to get that belt? Three interceptions, one for a pick six, albeit, you know, a lot of those uh, interceptions were thrown right into the chest of Robertson Daniel, but uh, that was some type of performance. Yeah, the the belt is for special teams. So, oh, right, so, like you were saying, uh, yeah. yes. Yeah. yeah, not a problem. Uh, but, yeah, Dan Robertson, had, it's, it's really ridiculously good news for this guy who's been so hard done by the last couple of years where he's been hurt at the beginning of the season each time. He's played a grand total of three games over two years. So he finally gets an opportunity to get back in the lineup. In week one, he is uh, the pro football focus, uh, you know how much stock you put into the rankings, but he was the top-rated defensive back in the CFL. The second week in Edmonton, he had two fumble recoveries, including that one where... uh, Geno Lewis was stripped at the uh, at the goal line by Jamal Peters. It was Robertson who recovered that. So he's done those two things, and I kind of joked with him in the locker room this week before the game on Monday. I said, okay, you did that week one, and you got the two fumble recoveries. What are you going to do for an encore? And he just <laughs> smiled at me. And he had three picks, and he almost had two more. Um, like, the ball was following him around, but he's so smart. He's moved from the corner. Uh, to the inside where he's playing the boundary halfback position where he's absolutely perfectly destined to be. Uh, he plays that remarkably well, replacing Shaq Richardson for the Argos at that position. Uh, but, but, but Robertson, everybody's happy for him because they know what he's been through the last couple of years. Uh, and uh, to see him have early success like this, uh, you, I think no matter what team you're, you, you cheer for, you love seeing personal stories like that where perseverance has finally paid off. 
Yeah, now I'm not a Toronto Argonauts fan, but I just respect some of these personalities on this team. Like uh, Chad Kelly obviously comes to mind. And then the before mentioned AJ Ouellette, like that guy, I love his eye black on his face. He looks like an absolute warrior out there. I mean, this uh, Toronto Argonauts team, they have a lot of players that uh, you can't help but, you know, cheer for. Yeah, uh, you know, I, I understand why Ryder fans would not particularly be fond of number 33 for us and Andrew Harris, but oh, yeah, uh, you guy, know, yeah. rivalries are pretty thick. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, I, I mean, you're right. Curly Gittins Jr. is a guy, I think everybody cheers for the Canadian receivers because a lot of times they have to pay their dues just to get a shot. And every team in the league seems to have that guy. He's certainly doing Saskatchewan right now. Uh, but, you know, Curly Gittins is a, a really easy guy to cheer for because of his backstory and because of the fact that he's had you know, had to work his first year in the league. He caught one pass mm-hmm. and, you know, last year he had 1100 yards. Um, so he's an easy guy to cheer for. Um, big Sean Oakman's an easy guy to cheer for. Uh, Flora Imolade is an easy guy to cheer for. There are a lot of those guys sprinkled around. How can anybody, unless you're playing them that week, not like Enoch Mwamba, uh, you know, seeing him on the stage in Regina after the game last year, after the great cup and seeing, you know, the outpouring of emotion with his daughter on the stage with him as he saw kind of his career put into one game. Um, you're right. There are really likable guys on this team, and it kind of starts from the top down with the general manager of the team. Hey, do the Argonauts get overlooked because they play in the East? Best record in the league, and I still feel like people are a bit hesitant to say they're the best team in the league. I think it's swaying a bit. Like People are starting to talk about the Toronto Argonauts a bit more, but I still feel like this team probably deserves a little more respect considering you know they are the lone unbeaten and they are the defending Grey Cup champions. I think the, 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 the main reason why the, the, the quote-unquote respect isn't there, although CFL did have them number one on their, mm-hmm. on their power ranking this week, um, I think it all goes to Chad Kelly, right? Because there was, a, there was a question mark to those outside the organization who hadn't seen him perform before. And we saw him in practice, which I know isn't a game, and we, we, we've seen him and know the personality and have seen the work ethic. There wasn't a person within the organization that had any doubt that Chad Kelly was going to play as well as he's played so far through three weeks. Nobody. Like, we knew this was coming. Um, but, yeah, I think that was the biggest question mark. You can make a, uh, a statement, I think, very – I don't think it's even a bold one, that this defense is better than it was a year ago, and it was the defense that kind of carried the team to the Grey Cup last year. Um, you know, McLeod Bethel-Thompson led the league in passing last year, and I think people look more at the running game that developed last year. The running game has been stronger this year. The Argos, through three games, have as many rushing touchdowns as they did all of last year in the regular season. Hmm. Um, the team's averaging 150, or sorry, uh, was it 137 yards, I think, uh, rushing per game. I mean, they're doing all the right things right now, hanging onto the football, plus nine through three games, um, you know, creating the turnovers as well. It's a really well-coached team. The guys have bought in. Most of them knew the system. And one thing that really gets overlooked a lot, and I don't know how many championship teams have done this. It happened, I think, in Calgary maybe a couple of times, but the entire coaching staff is back. Um, you know, you usually think of uh, a team being poached when it wins a championship and, you know, uh, I know Pete Costanza had an interview on in Saskatchewan, and uh, Corey Mace had one in Ottawa for the head coaching job there, and the guys decided to stay here. So, uh, you know, it's it's worked on a lot of different levels, uh, but I think you can make 
the argument that this team is better than it was a year ago. And, and yeah, maybe the respect is a little slow in coming. Well, Mike Hogan, enjoy the bye week this week and then a date coming up here in Montreal on the 14th of July. And uh, also, I know you're looking forward to this one, Touchdown Atlantic coming up later this month. Argos, Rough Riders, you must have that one circled on the calendar. Halifax should be a permanent city just for the road trips. Yes. Hey, eat some... Uh, uh, what's their number one dish there? I know they like seafood out on the East Coast. Yeah, they, I have never like been. The, Fill yeah, me in. You do the lobster. They're really big on Donairs out there. And uh, I had a Donair pizza out there once, which sounds a disgusting, Donair but it pizza. was really good. Oh, I don't know like if I can... Like put the tzatziki right on the... Oh, it was... okay. I did it kind of as a... I got to try this and went away going, oh, I got to go back for another slice. <laughs> Well, maybe, uh, can I hop on this charter plane to Halifax in a couple of weeks? I want to try some Donair pizza. Hey, Mike Hogan. What's the Western pizza? They're there for you. Yeah, well, nothing beats Western pizza. I mean, I agree. It's great for the road trip in, in Regina. I always do that. Yeah. Uh, enjoy the bye week again, Mike Hogan. And uh, if I don't talk to you before Touchdown Atlantic, make sure, you know, you have a nice Donair pizza and uh, maybe mail one to me. There you go. I'll be waiting for it. <laughs> Mike, yeah, Mike Hogan, the voice of the Toronto Argonauts here on the Western Pizza Hotline. We are going to head to break, and we will chat with a national champion on the other side, the quarterback for the Gamecocks. Coming up on the other side of the break, you are listening to the Sports Cage on 620 CKRM. Follow us on Twitter and Facebook at SportsCage. Now back to the action on Sports Radio 620 CKRM. All right, the 2023 Senior Flag Football Championships took place in Halifax, Nova Scotia over the weekend. And the action concluded Sunday when the Gamecocks punched their tickets to the finals, or to the Nationals rather, and uh, former U of S Huskies quarterback, former Riffle Royals quarterback, Mason Nias. He is the quarterback for those Gamecocks. How you doing today, Mason? I'm doing fantastic, thank you. I appreciate you making that plug for the Riffle Royals. Dude, oh, trying man. to follow in your footsteps there. So, no. <laughs> uh, yeah, I know it's great playing some flag football. <laughs> uh, I'm, th- I'm just surprised that you even knew I was the quarterback for the Riffle Royals because I threw... <laughs> Pick six after pick six, and here I am. People still remember that, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I've definitely th- thrown my fair share. Hey, man, nothing like a good old pick six. Hey, man, take us through this process one more time. We had Colton Clawson on on Monday, but I want to hear... I want to hear it from the captain of the game, Cox. You know, how did these Saskatchewan boys get assembled, first of all? And how quickly did this happen? You know, it's not like you just took a little road trip over to, you know, Lumsden. You guys flew across the country. Yeah, no, for sure. Um, well, it originally kind of went way back. I think in January, guys were kind of talking about this event. I've never played in a flag football national championship or anything like that. I've played a little bit with teammates in Saskatoon in their local league, but that's about it. And uh, they were just talking about maybe putting a team together just because the winner of the tournament does get to go to Finland and whatnot. So, um, yeah, there's talk about it, and uh, some guys could go, some guys couldn't. And, um, yeah, we kind of assembled a group to get going out there and booked our flights and said we were, we were kind of all in, burn the ship sort of idea. So uh, we made it out there. It definitely wasn't easy. There was a – some close calls from guys not being able to go with work and whatnot pretty close to the trip, but we made it all out there and 
got a quick little one practice in before the tournament and we were ready to go. But it, it made it easy just because everyone was uh, from, from the U of S. So we kind of all had the same uh, language and whatnot for play calls. So it was good. Oh, just a quick pracky, eh? Just a quick pracky <laughs> before you hit the gridiron. I love how these Sasky boys, they roll into the Maritimes with no coach, just a box of beer, and they take out the whole competition. I mean, uh, I feel like a novel needs to be written about this, my friend. And I guess my next question is, the Gamecocks, love the name. Uh, South Carolina Gamecocks, obviously, have a, a team name in uh, the NCAA. Uh, what came to the conclusion for uh, you guys going by the name of the Gamecocks? Honestly, it's just guys throwing it in the text group, trying to figure out a name. Um, I don't know, we just kind of wanted to have like kind of a fun, lighthearted name. Mm-hmm. I mean, just... I don't know. We had some Spencer Rattler fans in the group chat. Gamecocks got tossed out there. Team kind of voted on it and went with that. So, honestly, not not too much of a deep story behind it. Just thought it was kind of a funny name, and we went with it. Yeah, it's a great name. South Carolina, a great university, a great uh, football university, and uh, South Carolina Gamecocks, one of the, you know, historic universities down south and I love saying the name. I love saying the Gamecocks. It just, you know, it uh, feels good. Uh, it really does. I, yeah, it does, man. Feel free to say it any time. We're live on the air, so we can. Uh, hey, man, I watched some of the final with your dad, Perry, yesterday, and uh, hey, it was the first time I laid eyes on flag football. To be honest, I ain't gonna sit here and lie to you. I uh, I was shocked. I was shocked at how tight the field is. I mean, what was that like tossing the rock around in those tight windows? Honestly, it's a blast. Like. Uh... Seriously, one thing people like a lot of people don't know about the game of flag football, and it's it's a fun thing to play, and it's getting really big in Canada, especially with um, the women's collegiate level. Like they play national championships. Uh, I think they had one out east this year. I think the U of R Cougars took a two women's teams out there to play collegiate league. So it's, the game's growing really fast, and it's it's a blast to play. Um, obviously, the field's really tight, so it's uh, it really rewards precision. Mm-hmm. And timing routes and things like that. And we had some pretty good receivers like Mitch Hillis and Chad Braun and Colton Kloss and Everett Iverson, guys like that. So it made my job really easy. But, yeah, the game's a blast and it's it's really inclusive. Everyone can play. It's pretty lighthearted. And uh, the risk of injury, obviously, is pretty low. So uh, it's one thing that everyone can kind of get into and have some fun with. Take us through that one play in the game. It was earlier on in the game, and uh, it was, I want to say, a little out pattern. And you just... Phew, threaded the needle. It was a bit of a low pass, but it kind of needed to be low based on how the defender's leverage was at the time. And your receiver, I mean, he went down and he grabbed it and it just stuck to his mitts. You know what, what I'm talking about? He got a, a, a toe in on the sidelines there. Yeah, I know the exact play. Um, yeah, honestly, it was kind of one of those things. I was reading the front side and I knew where Hills was going to be uh, on the backside hitch and just kind of threw it low and away only where he could get it. And, uh, you know, you don't hold the Canada West all, all-time receiving yards record for nothing. So that guy can kind of get the ball wherever it is. And, yeah, he's a heck of a player. So maybe oh, look good. Man, give yourself some credit, though. The, the, the throw was, you know, Peyton Manning-esque. I got out of my seat when I saw that yesterday. So, hey, last question here for you. Take me into the mind of Mason Nias. Uh, before the championship game happens. You know, you guys make this big trip over to Halifax on the East Coast, probably, you know, not expecting to go very far. You just want to go and have a good time. And then all of a sudden, you blink, and you're in the championship game. So take me through the mind of Mason Nias. Uh, compare your nerves before that game, you know, compared to, like, maybe a Vanier Cup, because you've played in both. 
Yeah, for sure. Um, honestly, it was for the flag. It was pretty much the same the whole way. I kind of wanted to. We kind of went like with a pretty like obviously care. We want to win and whatnot. But a pretty carefree attitude. Like never get too high, get too low. Like they're going to score points. We're going to score. Just kind of chill out and have some fun. And kind of we know we're a good team, so just go do your thing and let the cards fall as they may. And it worked out well. In regards to like, comparing uh, or comparing it to the Bad A Cup, I mean. I probably was uh, significantly more locked into for the Vanier Cup game. Um, not That's good lie, to hear. But maybe yeah. I shouldn't have been. Maybe I shouldn't have been based on the outcome. So, uh, no, we just had a blast, and uh, I'm happy that we got, got a national championship out of it. Yeah, man. So uh, next, uh, next on the schedule for you guys, you know, next summer. Finland, I don't know, maybe you could wear a Timo Solani jersey on the plane over there. Maybe you guys can wear some Timo Solani. No, actually, that would go against the Gamecock name. Just keep doing what you guys are doing and bring home a national title next year. And, uh, man, this has been fun. I'm going to finish watching that game, by the way, later on this week when I get a moment. Uh, Mason Nias, legendary quarterback, former quarterback of the University of Saskatchewan Huskies, former Riffle Royals quarterback, double R baby, Rochdale Boulevard, let's go. And maybe most importantly, the quarterback of the Gamecocks. Mason Nias, thanks for joining us today, man. Thanks for having me, Zinger. It's a blast. Awesome, my friend. Mason Nias on the Western Pizza Hotline. Hey, we are going to hit the break here on the other side. We will have your CFL report. And then former defensive back for your Saskatchewan Rough Riders, Marshall Hamilton, will hop on the Western Pizza Hotline. You are listening to the Sports Cage on 620 CKRM. The kings of Saskatchewan sports talk. This is the Sports Cage on 620 CKRM. And those Edmonton Elks are in town. Well, today they would be in town boarding that charter for the game tomorrow night. It's a 7 o'clock kickoff. The pregame show on the air at 4 p.m. And it's just not the pregame show tomorrow. We will have a one-hour edition of the Sports Cage from 3 to 4 p.m. with Michael Ball. Michael Ball will be in the big chair again tomorrow as I'm just checking my text messages. And by the way, keep it tuned in because not right now, but we will be playing Spasas Tell Pick to Score later on in the program today. Love same program like that program. So keep it tuned in. Sastel pick the score is coming up a little later on. But uh, excited to talk with this guy teeing up tomorrow's big game between the Elks and your Saskatchewan Rough Riders. He is a former Saskatchewan Rough Rider and a former Hamilton Tiger Cat and a former Calgary Stampeder. Marshall Hamilton joins us now here on the Western Pizza Hotline. How you doing today, Marshall? I'm just great. Thanks. Thanks for calling. Yeah, no problem. Uh, thanks for uh, hopping on today. So, uh, Riders Elks tomorrow. Before we, uh, you know, talk about the nuts and bolts of tomorrow's game, let's uh, go back in your career. Uh, it was three seasons, right, with the Saskatchewan Rough Riders, or am I wrong? I'm usually wrong, so just correct me. Well, it was four seasons. Uh, the first season, I I was on the junior protected list hmm. because I was a former Regina Ram, and then I was three three years as a as a member of the roster, uh, 81, 82, 83, and 84 during training camp, I was traded to Hamilton and played half the season there and finished the season in Calgary. So um, five years in the CFL, four with the Saskatchewan Rough Riders, and one, as you mentioned, with Calgary and Hamilton. Yeah. So since the Rough Riders are playing the Edmonton Elks tomorrow, I'm going to ask you, Marshall Hamilton, when you think back 
in your playing career, obviously back then it was the Edmonton Eskimos, but thinking back in your playing career for the Saskatchewan Rough Riders, or maybe, you know, you might have been on Hamilton at the time, or maybe you might have been on Calgary, but what comes to mind first when you think of the games that you played versus the then Edmonton Eskimos? Hi. It's, it brings back some interesting memories, not necessarily the best ones, because if, if you go back and look through the record books, back when, when I was playing, the Edmonton Eskimos were a juggernaut. They were just a super powerhouse with you know great quarterbacks like Tom Wilkinson, um, Warren Moon, Matt Dunnigan. I mean, and I played against all of those. Well, I didn't play against Wilkinson. I played against Moon as an Eskimo, and I played against Dunnigan as an Eskimo. Dunnigan, when he was just a rookie, um, but you could see, you could just see the fire in his eyes because he was like a little linebacker playing quarterback. And Warren Moon was just so graceful and so talented and obviously went on to have a great career in Saskatchewan, or not Saskatchewan, in Canada, and then on into the NFL. Um, I was proud to say that I, proud, I am proud to say that I intercepted a Warren Moon pass. Yes, that was going to be one of my questions, Marshall. There we go. Well, unfortunately, Lau Wozniczewski got caught for roughing the passer officially I have no interception against Ward Boone but in my mind I got one because I know I did but um, they were they were a really powerful team Uh, I remember one game in particular if we get time to tell it quick I yeah go ahead uh, but Joe Farragalli was our head coach and he was sort of our offensive coordinator as well and we had you know J.J. Barnagel or or John Huffnagel and and Joe Barnes affectionately known as J.J. Barnagel they were our quarterback and we they were like fourteen and two, and we were probably two and fourteen. That kind of that kind of disparity between the two records. But Joe Farragalli, being the kind of motivator that he was, said, "Listen, we're just going to go in there and we're going to punch them right in the mouth. We're going to do everything they don't expect us to do." And essentially, our offense said, "We're going to drop back to pass, and we're going to throw long bombs or, or streak patterns." You know, all four receivers would go straight down the field, and Huffnagel was just. He was throwing darts, but he was throwing it up there and challenging them because back in those days, the Edmonton Eskimos played essentially 11 guys on the line of scrimmage and one guy 15 yards deep, and they, they challenged you. So we basically said, all right, we're going to challenge you right back. And I think it came down to something like a 40-39 to 39 game, and Edmonton ended up winning it. But I think we surprised a lot of people because we were willing to go toe-to-toe with the, the champions who had won you know five great cups in a row. So... Edmonton was always an intimidating team to play, but a fun team to play. And when you look back on it and all the players that are in the the Hall of Fame now from that that dynasty, uh, you know, it was a proud time to play for the Rough Riders, even though we lost to Edmonton. Hey, do you remember the game August 29th, 1982? I'm looking at the score, Saskatchewan Rough Riders 32 at the Edmonton Eskimos 25. You guys got a big dub in Edmonton. You know, I, I'm 66 years old. They're going to be later this year, so I, I, my memory's not the same. But maybe we did win that game that I was telling you about. But it was a game in Edmonton. Mm-hmm. That's the approximate time frame. And again, as I said, we just said we're going to try to punch them in the mouth before they punch us in the mouth. Yeah. And we just deep all the time. So maybe we did win that game. Uh, I remember it being really, really close and, and surprising a lot of people, especially Edmonton. So maybe yeah. that's the game. Do uh, you remember your first career uh, interception in 1981? Yeah, I don't know how anybody could forget that. I mean, I 
I mean, the, the two interceptions that I'll tell you about, essentially I got one in training camp that year, which which I was really proud of. And I, that's kind of what made helped me make the football team because the next day, you know, the guys came in and they said, way to go, you got Jack Cut And Jack Carosi was the you know, one of our first-round draft picks or something like that from the year before. And I, I took him off the roster by making the team that year after getting a nice interception in the preseason game. I think it was against Calgary. But my first, you know, league official uh, interception was later that year. We were playing in Hamilton. Uh, we were playing against a pretty good Hamilton team, and Tommy Clements was the quarterback for the Hamilton Tiger Cats, and I think he's in the Canadian Football Hall of Fame. But one of our guys went down, and I was the first guy off the bench to, to go play for him. And a guy named Carm Carcieri, who you probably know that mm-hmm. name well, the, the color with with uh, um, Rod Peterson for many, many years on CKRM. And Carm and I had gone to high school together, and he was playing with Hamilton at the time. And Tommy Clements went up to Carm and said, hey, you know this kid? Should I go after him? And Carm kind of shrugged, kind of shrugged his quarter and says, well, he is a rookie. You can try if you want. So the very next play, Tommy Clements throws, throws a deep out in, in my side of the field. I went up and grabbed it and got my, got my first interception. So he came off the field, went over to Carmen, just sort of shrugged his shoulder and says, well, I gave it a shot. So <laughs> it was a proud moment for me to get my first interception, save the ball. I think I gave it to my in-laws. Um, but to say that I intercepted my first pass off at Tom Clement. Yeah, that's pretty cool. October 12th, 1981, Rough Riders 28, Hamilton Tiger Cats 12. That must have been the game right there, Mr. Marshall yeah. Hamilton. Yeah, and it was nice because it contributed to us getting a win in Hamilton, yep. which hard place to play. Marshall Hamilton, former Saskatchewan Rough Rider, joining us here on the Western Pizza Hotline. Big game coming up tomorrow, Marshall. We have uh, the Edmonton Elks, and we have the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. And, well, let's start with the Edmonton Elks and their quarterback situation. I think that uh, you and Don Hewitt and uh, Daniela Ponticelli might have talked about it on the pregame show, uh, maybe briefly, although, of course, we weren't talk- we weren't playing the Elks at the time. But what do you make of that uh, Edmonton Elks quarterback situation? Uh, you know how Chris Jones was kind of juggling his quarterbacks around, and now it's kind of back to square one tomorrow night. Taylor Cornelius back at the helm for uh, the Edmonton Empire, I wanted to call them the Elks. <laughs> well, I I do a I co-host a show on Access Communications every Tuesday called mm-hmm. In the Huddle, and and on that show this week, uh, Don Hewitt actually happened to be one. Of, he happened to be our in-studio guest, so we get talking a bit more about it. And and people that are frequent viewers of the show know I'm not a Chris Jones fan, going back to his days in Saskatchewan and continuing on. Uh, through his career in the NFL and high school football, which is another joke, and and then back to the CFL. Um, and what I what I said this week on our program a couple of days ago was I said, you know, that was that was sort of like the straw that broke the camel's back for me in terms of my opinion of Chris Jones. When I saw him pull Cornelius in that game two games ago uh, at halftime, when you know I thought he was playing reasonably well and his team was still in it. Uh, and then throw in the second-string quarterback who had one play and then fumbled and then subsequently got cut, picked up today, uh, I think by, I can't remember if it was by Hamilton. Hamilton yeah. I think it was Hamilton. Loxley got picked up. And then they throw the third-string quarterback to the Wolves, and he plays the rest of the game. And he did okay, but he was mostly playing in garbage time. Um, 
you know, and then the next game they throw the third string quarterback back in, and he does terrible. And and now this week they're going to start Cornelius again. You can just imagine. I mean, as a former player, if my coach was yanking me around like a yo-yo, like he's been doing to Cornelius, and not just Cornelius, he's doing it to multiple people on that roster. You know, I'm I'm sure they're thinking it, and I suspect a lot of them are saying it, not to Chris Jones, but amongst themselves. They're saying, "What's this guy doing? Like, why is he?" screwing with us he's he's not only physically making it really hard for us to compete but emotionally and psychologically he's just messing with everybody and um so i've described edmonton as kind of a tire fire which which also means that this is a trap game for saskatchewan because saskatchewan's got everything going for it they're playing at home they're playing coming off a bye they're more rested they've had a chance to heal up some of their injuries they're coming off a win against calgary which is a tough place to win so how do you see this game going going tomorrow how do you see this game going with all that said so everything's going in the direction of, of saskatchewan winning this game so nobody expects edmonton to win so it's a hard game to play against but I do think Saskatchewan is the better team, and I do think their coach will have them ready and have warned them about it being a trap game. So I think I think it's going to be a close game, but I think Saskatchewan will win this one and go to 3-1. and one. Well, Marshall Hamilton, thanks for uh, hopping on the Western Pizza Hotline today and uh, taking us down memory lane. That was fun, and uh, also giving a couple thoughts on the big game tomorrow. And uh, uh, Are you, are you going to be at the game tomorrow? Where does Marshall Hamilton uh, take in the home rider games? What's uh, Marshall's setup? Don't worry, I'm not going to crash your party. I'm just being a nice guy here. Well, <laughs> don't, don't worry about it. I, I, I get to a couple games every year, but I don't go to all of them. Uh, mostly because, and it's not, I'm not blaming it on In the Huddle, but because of In the Huddle, I watch every game and I, I PVR them so that I can get through them quicker yeah. and get through commercials. So I'll probably be at home and if I watch it live, uh, it'll, it won't be on PVR, but if I watch it sort of an hour later and PVR my way through it, I can focus on the game when I'm watching it by myself or with one other person, maybe one of my sons. Mm-hmm. So I'll probably be at home watching it. Hey, thanks for your time today, Marshall. Uh, Enjoy the rest of the week and uh, into the weekend here. Thanks for the call and uh, appreciate your time. That's Marshall Hamilton, former Saskatchewan Rough Rider here on the Western Pizza Hotline, taking us down memory lane and also giving a couple thoughts on uh, Chris Jones and the way that he likes to juggle around his quarterbacks. And I share the same sentiment with Marshall Hamilton, and I think that's uh, well documented at this point. Uh, You know, Chris Jones, don't really think he knows what he's doing out west in Edmonton. I'm just going to say it. And put me, you could quote me if you want, Blaine. I don't think Chris Jones knows what he's doing as a head coach for the Edmonton Elks. Hey, we're going to hit the break here. On the other side, we will hear from Brian Raymond out at Flowing Springs. Uh, since, you know, he usually joins us on a Thursday, but we will be in a rider broadcast tomorrow. So we bump Brian up one day and we will talk with him on the other side of the break. You were listening to the Sports Cage on 620 CKRM. Saskatchewan's best coverage of the Saskatchewan Rough Riders is on the Sports Cage, right here on the Mighty 620 CKRM. Text line 306-936-6262. Cam is on the text line, and uh, Cam said, Hi, just heard Serezna got a max fine for his low hit on Adams. Not defending our former D lineman, but why no suspension as well? Hmm. I'm just sitting here scratching my chin thinking, oh, well, that's a, you know, that's a valid point. You know, it seemed like uh, our old friend Garrett Marino was kind of, you know, chased around with a, with a belt, if you will, like a bad kid at recess, you know, 
like I was. Bad kid at recess. Not saying I was a bully, but you know, I was always the target. Blaine Wiley. Kind of like well, Garrett I, Marino was last year. I was the target. Say, you were the target, but you can't hit targets, obviously, when you're quarterback, no, apparently. Not, not, <laughs> when I, not when I'm uh, a quarterback, and I also cannot predict weather forecasts because Brian Raymond is on uh, the Western Pizza Hotline with us here at, out at uh, Flowing Springs. And yesterday, Brian, I was just preaching of how windy it was and stuff. And I kid you not, I went to uh, Curry Field last night to public address announce the Regina Red Sox game. I look out in the outfield to look at the, you know, the American flag and the Canadian flag because the Star-Spangled Banner was playing since it was July the 4th. Literally no wind at all. Just the flags just staying right put. And I was thinking to myself, man, I feel like an idiot. I was just on the radio saying, you know, the windiest it's ever been in years. Golfers won't like it. But here we are, Zinger, not predicting uh, the weather. So, uh... Basically, in a nutshell, do not listen to what I say when it comes to the weather. Just listen to Brian Raymond and the great deals that he has out at Flowing Springs. Well, Zinger, I can tell you it's not a windy day today. It is absolutely gorgeous out here. It's sunny. It's warm. Actually, the temperatures are just about perfect for playing golf. And with no wind, man, it's great. And, uh, you know, we've got our twilight coming up at 6 o'clock. And I've told you about this before. After 6 o'clock every day, it's only $19 to come out and play the golf course. And it's walking only at that time. Uh, We have our early twilight. It starts every day after 3 o'clock for $35. And, of course, Mondays and Wednesdays, $32 for ladies and seniors, seniors over 60. And if you're not a lady or a senior, then it's only $42. And, you know, one of the things that a lot of folks are doing nowadays, because we're busy, time is a factor, Mm -hmm. nine holes. You can go out and play nine mm-hmm. holes at the golf course for $41. Yeah. That's what uh, Ballsy's son, Ethan Ball, he uh, just recently bought a, a, a golf club set, and that's what uh, he's been doing. Uh, there's a golf course at, in Grand Forks, North Dakota, and he loves just doing the nine hole. It's a you know quick and easy, in and out, go home. And, hey, Brian, since this is the last time we'll talk with you uh, before uh, the weekend gets here, uh, if golfers are looking for something to do this weekend, if they're looking to book a tee time for a you know either drive, Driving range or hit, hitting the links. What kind of weekend specials are you looking at? Uh, well, we are I'll, actually we are already booking the weekend. So if you're interested, mm-hmm. make sure you give us a call soon because it does tend to get a little busy, especially on Saturday. And of course, even on Saturday after three o'clock, it's only thirty-five dollars to come out and play. And there's still lots of daylight uh, at that at this time of year. Yeah, awesome, Brian. So if someone wants to book a tea t- uh, tea time, what's the best way to do so? The best way to do it, you can do well, you can two ways, actually. You can give us a call at 306-543-5050, or you can book online at flowingspringsgolf.com. Awesome, Brian. Enjoy the rider game tomorrow, and uh, we'll talk to you next week. Sounds good, Zinger. Have a great weekend. Yeah, you too, my friend. That's Brian Raymond out at the Flowing Springs getting set for a weekend full of golf and relaxation, and it would make it that much sweeter. Mwah, chef's kiss. If the Saskatchewan Rough Riders can pick up a nice W tomorrow night at Mosaic Stadium. And we will talk more about that game in the uh, 5 o'clock hour coming up here is Geno Lewis, wide receiver for the Edmonton Elks. He is set to hop on the Western Pizza Hotline. And also it's Wednesday, so that means it is Where Are They Now Wednesday time. Former Saskatchewan Rough Rider offense alignment Bob Poley, 1989 Great Cup champion, will be joining us. At around 5.35. You are listening to the Sports Cage on this Wednesday on 620 CKRM.
Saskatchewan's number one sports talk show is on. And now, starting an hour earlier, welcome inside the Radio Octagon. This is the Sports Cage on 620 CKRM. Filling in for Michael Ball. Here's Sean Kleisinger. Here we go, hour three on the air. It's been a great show thus far. In hour one, we chatted with uh, radio voice of the Toronto Blue Jays, Ben Wagner. We chatted with Emmett and Elks wide receiver, Manny Arsenault. And now uh, we are uh, pleasured to be joined by another wide receiver for the Edmonton Elks on the Western Pizza Hotline, Gino Lewis, to kick off hour three here. He joins us on the Western Pizza Hotline. You can order the Rough Rider Sweet Deal from Western Pizza and enter your name in for a chance to watch a game from a stadium luxury suite uh, next season. Gino, how are you doing today, my friend? I'm doing good, man. How are you? Thanks Do, for having me on. Yeah, thank you. Uh, big fans, big fans of yours out here in Saskatchewan. I mean, we love our great Canadian Football League players, and uh, Gino uh, Gino has been a, a regular guest here on the Sports Cage, and uh, we love to have you on the airwaves here, Gino. So, obviously, well, let's start things off. Uh, how are you feeling physically? Uh, you were hurt a few weeks ago, and... Uh, I said the same thing to Manny Arsenault in hour one, but the league is better when, you know, the top receivers in the league are on the field. So uh, I know Canadian Football League fans, they're, you know, they're itching. They want to see Gino uh, out out there making plays. So uh, let's hear it for, uh, from the man's mouth himself. How are you uh, feeling, Gino Lewis? Yeah, man, I'm doing real good, man, really good. Uh, um, yeah, man, guy, guy took a little hit, um, you know, back in the Toronto game. Uh, but, it, you know, luckily it was nothing really crazy serious. And, um, you know, I'm going to be back before everybody knows it, man. But trust and believe me, I'm, do, I'm doing everything I can to get back as fast as I can. And I know I'll be back and uh, ready to help my team, man, as much as I possibly can. Uh, take us through the mind of Eugene Lewis. You, you signed uh, the big contract to uh, play for the Edmonton Elks, and now things have not gone the way that you've wanted them to go, uh, and that's just the obvious point. I mean, not only the wins and losses, but uh, the injury. Uh, what's it been like mentally for yourself, Eugene Lewis, going through uh, this 2023 season thus far? Well, you know, like you said, you know, uh, you know, for me and the rest of my teams, none of us expected us, you know, to start this season off like this. Uh, but I also can say that I've been in situations like this before, so. You know, for me, um, this is just something that I know we can get out of. This is something that I, I'm confident that we can get out of. Uh, it's just about, you know, locking in and focusing in on the little things for this team. And, you know, for me, you know, I hate not being out there for my team because I, I feel like the uh, team that I'm out there playing, I help them and give them the best position to be successful in the win. So, uh, but I trust in the guys, you know, after me and the guys who, who, who are up next. So um, I'm just I'm just excited you know, to get back out when I can and, and just keep supporting my team as much as I can while I'm not out there. Yeah, the, the last game you played in was a before-mentioned game against those uh, Toronto Argonauts, and now that's the game where, you know, a lot of Canadian Football League fans, they were kind of left scratching their heads after the game because they were wondering what was happening at the quarterback position. Uh, take us in inside the head of Eugene Lewis inside the locker room when, uh, you know, a lot of Canadian Football League fans watching that game, they saw Taylor Cornelius come out of the game with a, you know, he was 14 out of 18, you know, he wasn't playing all that bad, but next thing you know Kai Loxley comes into the game he fumbles next day he's cut I mean it just seems like a 
I don't know, from the outside looking in, you can correct me if I'm wrong, but a whole lot of uh, negativity happening right now with the Edmonton Elks. Um, I'm not, I wouldn't even say it was negativity. I think it was just a lot of uh, just a lot of immature things going on just on our team. I think uh, we just when we when we let when something bad happened, we kind of let it get to the team. And in general, and, and you know, once 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 one one person or three people, you know, feel like you need know, to get discouraged, it can it can be a domino effect sometimes. And, and I think in that game, everything just sometimes you have games, man, where everything just doesn't go your way. And uh, it's, it's it's really about how you bounce rebound uh, how you bounce back from it and how you rebound and uh, you know how you how you're trying to get better next week in practice and what are you trying to do the things to make sure that it doesn't happen again and uh, you know that's what we have to do we got a lot we got some young players on this team man that are very very talented and uh, you know at the end of the day we just have to as older guys and as vets we gotta we gotta help guide these guys to, um, you know be pros and and, and and know how to play through adversity uh, because things are going to happen and it's going to be a lot of ups and a lot of downs and it's just about staying in the middle, not being too high, not being too low, and just and just just keep chopping at the wood, man. You just got to keep working and keep grinding, and things will turn around. Yeah, watching that game on the television on the TSN copy, they kept showing like cl- close-ups of uh, you know Taylor Cornelius's face standing on the sideline. They showed Kai Loxley's face on the sideline after he got pulled. It just seemed like a really gloomy type sideline. So you mentioned like uh, you know immature type things going on uh, throughout that game. Uh, you're a veteran in this league. Uh, what can you yourself and maybe the other veterans in the locker room do to kind of make sure that a game like what happened versus Toronto doesn't happen again? Uh, man, first first things first, everybody has to look themselves in the mirror and, 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 uh, and really just understand, you know, what you're doing it for and why you're doing it. Um, you have to know why you come up on that field each and every day because – at the end of the day, too, this is a business, and we all have people that we are taking care of and that we have to, you know, uh, feed. So um, you you got to go out there and know why you're going out there in, in the first place. And I think uh, right now we just have to have, we have to find our, our identity and, and understand what we're trying to do and what we're trying to accomplish. And uh, I, I feel that we can do that. We just need to make sure we need to be a little more confident and and just pay attention to the little details. But like I said, at this point in time, I can't even sit here and lie and say that. Uh, we haven't put out the product that we we should have, you know, for these Edmonton fans and things like that, and and you know they deserve it. So that we need to come out here and and, and give the things that they deserve, and just for this team and our organization, and for that to happen, uh, we just really got to lock in and then focus on the little things and 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 know why we're going out there and doing it. Uh, I asked Manny Arsenal this in hour one. Uh, he's itching to get back on the field, and uh, he has a, a date circled on the calendar that he's kind of looking at. Uh, of course, you are on the, the six-game injured list, so what's the date that you are looking at? What's the game that's uh, kind of Geno Lewis's goal to get back out there on the field for the Edmonton Elks? Uh, my, my, I'm trying to get out back as soon as possible, uh, You know, whether that's next week, the week after, or you know, if it is the six games. But me personally, the things, the way things are going, um, you know, I, 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 I like the way that things are going, uh, you know, just with my rehab and everything. So um, I can see myself being out there earlier uh, than later. So, um, you know, like I said, I can't – I'm not a guy, so I can't tell you exactly when and, and how, but I know I'm going to do everything I can. And um, I feel the way things that are, are going, um, I'll be out there before, before everybody knows. So what's a day in the life of Geno Lewis look like uh, right now? Like, are, are you uh, running? Are you doing drills? Uh, you know, what's the rehab process looking like uh, as far as, you know, your way to the comeback here? Yeah, right now I'm just do- I'm doing some just treatment with the, uh, 
with our trainers and things like that. I'm doing my workouts, you know, mm-hmm. in the weight room. I'm um, doing my, my contrast, my hot tubs, my cold tubs, uh, you know, making sure I'm getting my catches in, you know, just with everything like that. Uh, and uh, I'll definitely be doing more field stuff um, uh, when, the, when the guys get back from the game this week. And, uh, you know, we'll just keep going from there. And uh, um, right now, you know, that's just, I'm, I'm in the building every day. I go to meetings. I watch film. Um, I just have to go and get treatment and stuff, you know, while they're at practice and things like that. Yeah, so you're in the you're in the building every single day. You're around uh, these guys still. You're obviously you're still well involved with this team. Uh, what's the mood around the team going into this particular game tomorrow night at Mosaic Stadium? Because I mean, l- let's be honest, things haven't gone the way you guys have hoped for. I mean, that's well stated already. So, uh, what's the mood? What's the vibe like around this Edmonton Elks team? before kickoff tomorrow night? Well, one thing I'm going to say is, regardless of what's going on, man, this this, this team is going to fight uh, uh-huh. at the end of the day. Um, well, all we're looking for is to take it one game at a time, and we're looking to get a, our first win. Um, you know, because, you know, when you get the first one, uh, you know, that, that can that can spark something and guys get confidence and you keep going. So right now, we're just focused on, you know, playing together as a team, not having the turnovers, not having the penalties that we've been having. Uh, so we don't, you know, back ourselves up or put ourselves in a situation where it makes us harder to, you know, score points and things like that. Uh, so, you know, but everybody, you know, there's nobody in here, you know, everybody's obviously upset that we're, our record is what it is, but, you know, we got to come in here and we got to work every day. Nobody's going to feel bad for us. Nobody's going to cry and, and all this. So we come in here and we work, man. We, we try to get each other better each and every day, and that's what we're going to do. Hey, can't wait to see you back on the field, Gino. Thanks for uh, stopping by and giving us a few minutes today. Yeah, no, no problem, man. Thank you guys for having me on. I appreciate it. That's Edmonton Elks wide receiver Eugene Lewis joining us here on the Western Pizza Hotline as his Edmonton Elks will be taking on your Saskatchewan Rough Riders tomorrow night, 7 o'clock at Mosaic Stadium. And uh, we are going to hit the break. And on the other side, we will hear from your starting quarterback for your Saskatchewan Rough Riders, Trevor Harris, who met with the media after practice today. You are listening to the Sports Cage on this Wednesday on 620 CKRM. The Sports Cage is your locker room pass. We're talking Riders on Saskatchewan Sports Radio, 620 CKRM. And the media talked with quarterback Trevor Harris after practice today. And Trevor Harris, he didn't have the game that he wanted to opening night in Edmonton versus the Elks, albeit the Riders, they did come away with the win that night. So uh, that's uh, always a good thing if you're a Rider fan. But uh, to open up the conversation today, Trevor Harris, he was asked about his week one performance. I mean, it was just a floor game for me, and you move on. Uh, made a couple mistakes. The mistakes you make are, are big ones, and our defense did a great job pulling us out, and uh, we've just gotten better every week. And um, the true mark of good, good players and good teams are the teams that don't make the same mistake twice. And to me, uh, it's just about tomorrow going out and executing, uh, trusting our game plan, Standing in there, listening to our eyes, trusting our feet, letting it rip, and go out and having some fun. So when the uh, the third down stop happened at the goal line, there was like four or five left on the clock. So everyone's thinking, okay, get a stop. The offense will get the ball back. You drain the clock down to two seconds. Mm-hmm. Speak about that last drive and uh, how are you able to just stay on the field for that long at that point in the game? Yeah, our offensive line was doing a great job. Uh, J-Mo was doing a great job. Also, you know, when he would have some big runs, he was smart enough to know not to go out of bounds, uh, knowing what we were trying to do. And uh, we were doing a good job managing the clock, uh, convert a couple or second long, you know, through the air to Sam. And 
uh, been able to stay on the football field, uh, relax, settle in. And, you know, I feel like we were just starting to get some traction offensively. But uh, uh, Edmonton's defense has done a great job that week, and they've continued to do a great job. They've kept they've kept the team in games this year. And, uh, you know, they've just unfortunately gotten a little worn down, you know, with being on the field so much. And so, um, to me, it's uh, it's just about learning from, you know, that game and uh, coming in here tomorrow as the new team that we are and the new team that Edmonton is. We know we're going to expect them to come out swinging as a – team backed into a corner, but uh, they're going to come out and play hard, just like any Chris Jones team will. And so, uh, but we're going to come out and play hard too, so we're fired up for tomorrow. Does not having Darrell, Jake, Braden, Kean um, change the dynamic of the offense for you? Of course it does, but we ain't flinching. Uh, we like the guys we have. Um, we're excited, and uh, I think you'll see some guys making plays tomorrow maybe that you didn't think would. And so, uh, but... Uh, we, I mean, every team is next man up. It's one of the cliches, and I'm like, why does everybody, everybody say like next man up? Of course you are. What are you gonna play one man down? So like, but you know, we we love the guys we have, and uh, so tomorrow we're gonna go out and and, and play hard and uh, trust the game plan and go out there and let it rip. It's kind of one of the things that you find out what you have, right? And with these backups, a guy like Kendall Watson even coming mm -hmm. in, he played last week, obviously, but <clears> to get another opportunity this week. You don't yeah. know what you have until until he proves himself. Exactly, and uh, you see you see them have great camps. Same thing with Mitch Picton. Uh, he was one of the guys in training camp. I was like, why hasn't this guy been playing? He's a beast, and uh, he had a tremendous training camp for us. He knows every position. He's super valuable for us. Kendall Watson was flashing every day. Was always winning in one on ones, and the guy doesn't lack confidence. Uh, he knows what he's doing, and he's a jovial guy to be around. And so, they're two guys we're really excited about. And then I think you know somebody that deserves, you know, conversation from most likely a Canadian is Sam Emelis and um, he's a dude. And, uh, and then you got Sean Bain and Tevin Jones who both have traits that not a lot of people do. And so, uh, yeah, we're not, we're not flinching. Trevor, you were here last year, but the, the team hasn't won a regular season game here uh, for, for 360 days, roughly. What's it going to take to break that streak and get the fans? I'll count the off season one. days too, huh? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Nah, well, we'll go out and play hard tomorrow. That don't matter to us. That's something for y'all to talk about. What, uh, what's the danger of playing against a team that hasn't won yet? Um, danger. Um, I think it's just they're they're a good football team on defense, and so to me, they have all the respect from us. And but you know they're going to do things that they haven't shown on film, but we're going to do things we haven't shown on film. And so tomorrow, it's just about. Being in the moment, uh, one play at a time, being 10 toes down, knowing exactly where we are, and just going out there and executing one play at a time and uh, hopefully breaking that streak of plus with the off-season off days added when to home. So, What's the adjustment with the new center? Um, yeah, just making sure that I'm with him on the mic calls and um, certain times where maybe I want the mic call to be changed, making sure that he understands it and he understands, you know, the, the tempos that we want to do, um, maybe the things that we want to do differently during a game and uh, making sure that him and I, and, uh, Bandy and I are in constant communication, understanding what's going on. But um, he's done a tremendous job, you know, went through the protection meeting today, guys on it, and uh, he's ready to go. And um, I know Peter's done a great job helping him out as well. Early in the season, do these injuries hinder building that foundation you guys are looking to do, or will it pay dividends later in the season? You guys look at it that way. I think I think it could do either. You know, I think that a lot of times people say, you know, the old adversity builds character, but it reveals it. And so, you know, you hit adversity where uh, you got to scrape the barrel of your practice roster and see, you know, who you have sometimes. And you know, we've had to do that, but. Uh, there's never been one conversation about like, oh, man, so-and-so's down. What are we going to do? It's more just about let's, let's go, you know, reload, reload the ammunition. Let's go.
and so we're excited about we're excited about tomorrow. Uh, but um, this this is a team that has never one time finger pointing. There's nobody uh, you know compa- complaining or bantering about getting the ball more. And so uh, tomorrow it's just about us going out there and reloading and uh, letting it fire tomorrow. You've been in a number of locker rooms, so what does it mean to see that attitude from these guys as they deal with that? Yeah, to me, it's a huge thing. Um, a lot of people, you know, talk about, you know, in the preseason, it's, man, they've loaded up. They spent this much in free agency. They have this and this and this. Uh, something not a lot has talked about is character and, uh, and team culture. And to me, culture, what, what's it look act and feel like in this organization every single day? And it feels like, you know, joy coming to work. And everybody in there has been great. Um, Jake Winicky, Darrell, all those guys, you know, Leonidas, Linnaeus, and um, and Flash, Schaefer Baker. I keep calling him by the nickname, but uh, they uh, they've done a great job coaching, helping out. And you know, you would you would think that they're like they were rooting for the guy, like they're their number one fans. And so it's just been tremendous to see those guys really helping out, coaching up. And um, I love being around those guys, all of them. And they've just been a, a true joy. And it's been a great quarterback room as well. And so we're excited to get out there. Trevor, uh, Sean Bain's kind of having a breakout year. Uh, talk a little bit about him as a receiver. I'm glad you mentioned it. Nobody's talking. Nobody's asking me about Sean Bain. He was second in the league in receiving. So nobody's, yeah. He's one of those guys that's got some rare traits. Um, he's explosive. And uh, he's a guy that if, if you miss him on a press jam, it's lights out. And so uh, he's a guy that uh, you, you have to find ways to get him the ball in space. But he's such a great route runner. And he's able to, uh, he's so explosive. And he's such a good player. But, Rarely do you find those guys that are really open to coaching. There hasn't been a time where he's like been defensive, and I haven't been a time where I've been defensive. You know, when he's asked me to do certain things, and so he's just been a, tr- a tremendous teammate on top of him having a breakout season. But we knew that in training camp, uh, watching him in training camp, and so it's fun to see him flourish. But uh, I think we're just seeing the tip of the iceberg with him. You had a chance to see the uh, retro jersey that you're going to uh, wear tomorrow. I haven't. I just saw the helmet today. That's a. I saw the helmet, so that's it. Are you uh, intrigued by this? Is that kind of a cool thing? I realize there's other things on your plate tomorrow. Yeah, we'll play. I don't care what color. I guess just then give me a jersey. Let's go play. As long as I know which one to throw it to, I'm good. Are you you, uh, an old soul in any way? The the retro theme is in vogue tomorrow night. Do you? uh, Are you? Are you a nostalgia buff in any way? Um, not really, but I think it is pretty cool, obviously, to, you know, honor past times. And sometimes it's like, man, why'd they change it? You know, in the past, like, uh, you always, you know, see new, uh, new jerseys and you see like, uh, people on Instagram that they say, should they change the logo to this? Like for all the NFL teams and whatnot. So those are fun to see, but, uh, it is cool to see what they used to wear. And then you see like the, the, the pictures on the walls of like George Reed and Ron Lancaster and those guys playing and you know that and so it's pretty cool to kind of look at and be like cool we'll get to wear that emblem tomorrow it looks pretty sick yeah it is the big throwback game tomorrow at Mosaic Stadium between the Elks and Riders and Trevor Harris will be wearing the retro uni for the first time can't wait to see it and uh, one guy who wore both logos during his playing career with the Saskatchewan Rough Riders was offensive lineman Bob Polian. He is uh, this week's uh, installment of Where Are They Now? Bob Poley waiting in the wings. He is coming up next here on the Sports Cage on 620 CKRM. 
They're the names we speak with reverence or scream out loud. The names that help define us, inspire us, and build the game that we all love. Each Wednesday on the Sports Cage, we flash to the past with a legend to see if there is indeed life beyond the scoreboard. This is Where Are They Now? And Where Are They Now is for Floor Coverings International. Need new floors? Let Floor Coverings International bring their mobile showroom to you. Visit their website for your free consultation and yeah tomorrow is a throwback game for the saskatchewan rough riders they will be wearing their nice minty clean throwback unis with the old uh, s shield on the helmet no doubt about it the best uniforms in the canadian football league and uh, i am very excited to talk with this guy on the western pizza hotline because this guy had two separate stints with the saskatchewan rough riders and his first stint he was lucky enough to don that old S shield on uh, on the helmet. And, uh, well, he actually is one of the few players that actually got to wear both style of uniforms. Kind of the modern era S. Obviously, that's what the Riders wore when they won the 1989 Grey Cup. But uh, before that was, uh, you know, the Ronnie Lancaster type look of uh, uniform. And uh, the man I talk about is former Saskatchewan Rough Rider offensive lineman, 1989 Grey Cup champion Bob Pooley joins us here on the Western Pizza Hotline. Bob, how are you doing today, sir? Well, first of all, Sean, you've uh, dated me big time. I, I I, I'm one of those guys that wore the, the Safeway ass on the helmet, but, <laughs> and I loved it. I thought I, I still think they should wear it all the time. They should should go right back to it and just keep it going. But uh, yeah, well, thanks for having me on the show, and it's just be great to be here. It's yeah, super. Yeah, that that was my first question though, because you wore both uniforms. Not many players uh, get to say that, you know. So uh, you, uh, by the sounds of it, you you love you loved the old look a little bit better than the the new one. Well, I guess growing up in this province yeah. and, and and watching the Rough Riders and 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 watching uh, the, the how, when they played and stuff, and that was the only uniform. They that was the that was it. Mm-hmm. There was nothing, none of this. Uh, uh, change it to the black or change it to uh, to all green. You know, it 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 stayed the same, and uh, so you just that that was tradition. That was it. And uh, so when I got to dawn on that uh, to go to camp and, and actually make it and play and, and wear the S, uh, it was something special, that's for sure. And you talk about uh, the Lancaster look and the George Reed look, that was it. Yeah. That was it. When I think of Rough Rider uh, paraphernalia, that kind of stuff, I think of those guys, that's for sure. Yeah. Uh, we all know your probably most fondest memory wearing the new style S, 1989 Grey Cup. But uh, take us back to when you wore that old S on your helmet. What comes to mind? What moment, what game comes to mind? What was your favorite moment wearing that original uni? Well, I think it was actually in, in 78 uh, when I actually made the team. Mm-hmm. I was on the I was on the practice squad. Uh, I practiced with the team uh, d- during the year, but played with the junior football team with the Rams on the weekends. And uh, I was just kind of on a taxi squad type thing in 77. And uh, and then to actually make the team and to don the green and white and actually uh, get paid to, to play that lovely game, it, it was something special. And, and I think that's what comes back. And, and, and I was so proud to wear it, so proud to, to be part of it. And... Uh, and then they changed it, but they, it was all good too. I guess you know, uh, change is good. And uh, but uh, 
you know, and, and like I said, Sean, uh, growing up watching, uh, it just didn't seem right. And, and, uh, but change is good. You know, change is yeah. good, I guess. So you're from Saskatchewan, and, you know, you grew up watching Ronnie Lancaster. You grew up watching George Reed. And what was it like, Bob Poley, to be in the same locker room as Ron Lancaster? Because you guys would have crossed paths there for uh, that season. Yeah, it was pretty awesome. I, you know, Ronnie and, and George, were, George wasn't quite there. He was gone already. Yeah. Uh, uh, his camp, last camp was 75. But and I'm just going to go back a little bit more. Uh, my first uh, training camp was uh, 1974. Hmm. And I actually was a, a bag holder, uh, I called it. And I lasted like four or five days. And um, I was just out of high school in, in 73, played one year with the Rams, and I actually went to training camp with the Riders in 74. And uh, as a, um, uh, a body, I guess they said. And, uh, and you know, just a just raw, raw, like I'm talking raw when, you know, when you're talking uh, Bill Baker and you're talking uh, Don Banuke and you're talking uh, Lancaster and, and Reed and, and, and then George was still there. And, and George's last year, he didn't come back in, in 76. So I got a couple of training camps with him, but only lasted a couple of days. Five days was the first time. And then uh, I think it was a couple of weeks the next time. And then, and then it started to get a little longer, and I actually got to dress in '76 and and play in an exhibition game. But they dressed everybody anyway, so I got thrown in, and uh, so it was kind of cool. Uh, and that's how it kind of progressed in, in, into '77, and, and and actually making it in '78. Yeah. So take us back to when you were a bag holder there. So you're meaning to tell us that you were <laughs> holding the bag as George Reed was running full steam at you. Was that like the type of bag holder you were? <laughs> <laughs> You're exactly right. That's cool. Oh, tell us and about that. What and, was it like to and, take you know, a hit and, from George and, uh, Reed? Training for... camps, uh, and actually, uh, uh, training camps were a little long back then. You know, it was uh, it was three weeks for the rookies, two a days, and uh, two weeks for the for the veterans. But uh, uh, exhibition season was a month. We played four games, and during that month was was uh, practice and training camp. But they did bring you know 180. 180, 200 guys in, so you you, you had lots of leeway uh, to you know, give the vets, you know, you break in slow kind of thing, but uh, the biggest thing I noticed was uh, a veteran that never went against a veteran. So, when Lancaster and Reed and Clyde Brock and Rod uh, and Jack Abinson and uh, Larry Bird and Gary Brandt and all those guys, with the, they, were, they run a three-on-three drill, I'll never forget uh, and and I was in there, and there, I think it was Andy McLeod was a linebacker, and I can't remember who the other D lineman was. And it was us three against uh, Clyde Brock, Jack, and and uh, Ronnie and George. And uh, Ronnie hung hand the ball off either on his left side or on his right side, and old thirty four come flying in there. He hit me so hard one time. I thought he got hit by a car. I think uh, I tell him that. I think. I said it was it was it was pretty uh, pretty wild. He just he he ran right over me, and uh, and it was it was incredible, yet uh, hurtful. Let's put it that way. <laughs> hey hey, do you ever like uh, catch yourself like thinking back on those memories? I mean, you have just been honored uh, to be such a big part of Saskatchewan Rough Rider history. Not only for you know the thing that you just mentioned there, being the bag holder in training camp uh, before your playing career even began, but you also went on to have like a really. I mean, you were a CFL All Star and you won a Great Cup well, here in Saskatchewan. Well, I mean, uh, not many people can say that. 
well, you know, yeah, right. But it, uh, you know, it was, uh, uh, I, I think it was kind of a dream. I, I, um, you're growing up and then once I went to training camps and I, and I realized that, uh, you know, maybe I got a chance to do this and, 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 uh, I always thought somebody's going to pay me to play this game. That'd be pretty awesome. And, uh, and, uh, it worked out pretty good, but you're right. It's a, you know when you when you think back. When I think back, um, being with Lancaster and George and and uh, and Baker and and those kind of guys that that what they did for this league and what they did for the Rough Riders, it was just incredible. And just to be just kind of rubbing shoulders and getting hit by them guys was okay too, you know. But um, I'll never forget Ronnie Lancaster, and he was. Um, he was such a mentor. He was such a. He was not only just a player uh, as quarterback. He was he was coach and and he ran the offense and and uh, but he was always he was also a, a mentor. He was uh, he looked out to the young guys and uh, he came up to me one time and he says um, he says you know Bobby says you make it play as long he says play as long as you can and then try to fool them for one more year because he said. <laughs> There's nothing like it, and 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 I always thought about that. And I I sent it down the line. I give a, a few guys that line, and I said, remember that, you know. Yeah. Try to fool them for one more year, and and I think you know the the great John Ryan, he's still punting, and and he I told him to do that. I said, play as long as you can, and then try to fool them for a couple more. You know. Yeah. So and he's doing it. Yeah. He's doing a, it. After you, know, you won the 1989 Grey Cup, uh, did that quote kind of come into your mind? You know, would have been, you know, thinking back on it, maybe you know a good time to retire. You just went, you, you go out a champion, you know, sail off into the sunset. But maybe you know you still had some left in the tank there, so you, you went on to play a couple more years. Did that quote yeah, kind of come you're to right. mind? And you know, it was kind of kind of cool here. It's kind of interesting there or neat how you brought this up because uh, my, my my son and my uh, and me we just get back from reindeer lake we're up fishing for four days and and uh we do our annual father-son thing and uh and we were driving back and we we're talking football we're talking mm-hmm. football obviously we're talking about sports or something but anyway you know we're talking about uh um when when is the time when it, when is the time to go after you want to kind of go on your own terms. You don't want to somebody in a, and it's just like uh, we're talking about Danny Clark and and uh, and his situation get just to 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 move on out of the league. And we're talking about guys that uh, played a long time. And and I said, you know, I was fortunate enough to to know. I know my body was had enough. And and back in ninety ninety one, it was it was it was starting to get pretty tough. Mm-hmm. But I had a, a good coach in Don Matthews. Uh, he was funny. He was pretty cool. I got um, after the '89. It was a long year and, and, and tough, and uh, made it through that. And then in '90, we we had a little disruption, and you know, and, and John got released, and and those kind of things. And then Don came in, and then uh, and then in '91, uh, he he brought me in, and he says, "What do you want to do?" And uh, you know, and I said, "We'll play," you know, and try and try to keep going. But the body was breaking down already, and then in he says that, and then he asked about 90, 92 and he's, he's after that year, and and he said, "What do you want to do?" And I said, "Well, I want to play, but I don't want to play. You know, I want to be here, but I don't want to play anymore. I can't yeah. play." He said, "Well, that sounds good." He said, "Well, you'll just snap and mentor and the younger guys, and then uh, back up the old line and uh, and uh, finish it out." And 
boy, it was wonderful. It was one. It was probably the best year, the best year ever, because I didn't have to worry too much about playing and and you know getting prepared and you know, worried about the body being beat up and bouncing, trying to bounce back every five six days and and those kind of things and. So when film time rolled around, I was the guy that went for ice cream and brought it back for the boys. And, <laughs> and then we sit and eat ice cream and watch game film. You know? That's <laughs> that awesome. Pretty cool. Hey, this has, a been, a, this has uh, been a wonderful chat. We're up against the clock here, Bob. But uh, thanks, for, no uh, thanks for hopping on uh, the Western Pizza Hotline and reliving some memories today on uh, this Wednesday, Where Are They Now edition. I appreciate your time, my friend. You bet. Well, we'll be there tomorrow night and uh, looking forward to it. Go Riders, go and uh, get another win under the belt. That's right. That's Riders legend Bob Poley, 1989 Grey Cup champion with us here on the Western Pizza Hotline. That was a fun conversation there. That was awesome. We are going to hit the break. On the other side, we will hear from Amari Henderson and Kendall Watson after practice today. You are listening to the Sports Cage on 620 CKRM. It's time to step into the radio octagon. You're tuned to the Sports Cage on Saskatchewan Sports Radio, 620 CKRM. 5.50 inside the Sports Cage. Riders, one last day of practice today before the big game tomorrow at Mosaic Stadium, Edmonton Elks in town. And after practice today, our own Blaine Weiland caught up with defensive back Amari Henderson. All right, I'm Joe, number 16 for the Saskatchewan Rough Riders, Amari Anderson. And Amari, I guess we're kind of approaching, I guess, the one-year anniversary for yourself joining the roster. Yep. Has it been a blur these last, uh, I guess, close to 365 days for yourself? Yeah, man, when you're having fun, man, time go by fast. I'm just blessed to just be a part of this organization, man. I'm thankful. Uh, you had a solid training camp. Did you feel that you carried over your training camp efforts over into the regular season? Yeah, I feel like I, I have. Um, I know the play is going to come. So uh, I'm not trying to force any any plays to come my way or anything, just playing fast, smart, and physical football and just sticking to, to my routine, sticking to my coaching and everything like that. So just continue to just work hard every single day and practice, work work hard and film study, the weight room with Coach Clint, and just continue to put my best foot out every single game. What do you contribute? Uh, what do you believe uh, helps you make you, yourself a consistent player? Uh, just doing the little things every single day, just paying attention to detail and just working hard every single day. Like I said, everything starts with a routine, just carrying my routine over every single day and just doing that and um, just being the best version of myself every single day that I can be. Uh, can you talk about the challenge facing a divisional opponent like Edmonton like you guys are in a quick turnaround in a matter of four weeks? Yeah, so uh, you know it's going to be a tough game. It's always a dogfight, especially with Edmonton. A hungry team like that. Every team that comes into to our house, to our home field, is going to be hungry. So we just got to come in with our, with our, with our head high and just work hard and, and play a fast, smart, and physical football game. You guys look a lot. Look back at that first game film, especially it's a situation where you guys succeeded so much. You look back at that game since there was a lot of positive things, or do you look for maybe a game afterwards where maybe, maybe the, where there's more mistakes? Yeah, of course. We look at the, uh, the the previous games to see what we can hone in on as far as what we can do better. Um, so yeah, we, we look at those games and this game in particular. We try to work on work on ourselves. We feel like if we play at our best. It doesn't really matter what they do, so we try to play at our best. But, yeah, of course, we always try to look back in, in the film and see what we can hone in on it to get better at. Now, it's only a 2-1 record so far, but does it even feel like a little bit better than that, considering the guys the way you guys won those two games, uh, that Edmonton game, that goal line stand, and then as well an overtime win in Calgary? It just shows that, that we're, we're together as a team. Um, like, like I said previously, we just come in and work hard every single day, try to put our best foot forward and try to do what we can as a team and work on, on the little things. We feel like the little things really carry over, try not to get away from the little things, uh, just being consistent as a team, and that's what we've been doing, just trying to establish that we got 
our pillars, working hard together, being fast, smart, and physical, and just being together as a whole unit. On the other side of you, at halfback, Roland Milligan, it seems like he's on his way so far to like a possible all-star season the way he's playing right now. Eh? Yeah, man, Roland, man, he's he, he's a dog. Like He's one of the guys who does all the little things, um, just being consistent, and just he's just a film junkie as well. He, he's a smart guy. He's like a another on-field coach, you can say. He's like a coach on the field. Um, obviously, he's an amazing player. He does everything on the defensive end, even on special teams. So, man, it, it's great to have a guy like that. I can learn from him and um, just play alongside. We're talking a lot about film. Even at the AGR, do you still find yourself, you know, learning new ways to watch film? Yeah, of course. I always feel like I can learn. You can always learn, no matter how old you are, young you are. You can always learn, and I'm I'm a big fan of learning. So I try to try to get in these guys' ears, like Roland Milligan, um, Kreef, you know, guys that been around here a long time and who has success in this league. So I try to pick it back off them and try to learn from those guys. It's been a while since you guys went at home. Is there a sense of urgency that you know get a big win here at Mosaic Stadium? Uh. I wouldn't say there's no pressure or anything like that. It's just every game is a big game for us. We're trying to go 1-0 every single week. That's the biggest goal for us. So every single game, we try to go out there and put our best foot forward. So I wouldn't say there's any pressure or anything like that because we feel like we got to go out in every single game and play hard. So I know jerseys are probably the least last thing on your mind for a game, but do you like the fact you're wearing those retro jerseys uh, oh, coming man. up Thursday? I, I love those jerseys, man. I can just get an extra little juice juice in my, in my body, man, when we put those jerseys on. So... To me, I, I play a little bit better with those jerseys on. I don't know what it is, but I, I love those jerseys, man. Yeah. And what about those shades you got rocking on right now? Oh, yeah, shout out to Gordy Man and the whole equipment staff for giving these these is real exquisite shades that they give us. Man, I love them. Shout out to Gordy and the whole equipment staff. I always want to give you some retro questions as well for yourself. Uh, first football jersey you ever owned? First football jersey I ever owned. Oh, probably a, a Michael Vick jersey. I think I had a Michael Michael Vick Atlanta. Atlanta Falcons, all red jersey. I think that was my favorite jersey I had. Yeah. And growing up, early football memory that you have that you were maybe hoping to repeat to, uh, tomorrow night? Oh, man. Craziest football memory I ever had. Uh, let me think. Back to Little League football, to high school. <sighs> high school football. So, a high school football game. So, I committed to Wake Forest. We had our state championship game at Wake Forest. Ended up having two blocked field goals and an interception in that game. And we ended up winning that game. So, Go out here and just make plays, man, just being a playmaker. That's what I try to hang my hat on and just being a consistent playmaker and being productive and executing at a high level. So, The former Demon Deacon, Mari Henderson, thank you very much. Appreciate you, man. Thank you. That's Blaine Weiland with Amari uh, Henderson after practice today. And uh, before we uh, let you go for the evening, one more uh, quick chat that Blaine Weiland had with wide receiver Kendall Watson. Watson is filling in for the injured Jake Winicky tomorrow. And uh, the next time we will be talking sports on these very airwaves, we'll be at 3 o'clock tomorrow with the sports cage and then countdown to kickoff at 4 p.m. with Daniela Ponticelli. We'll talk to you then. Here's Kendall Watson with Blaine Wilder. I'm Joe with number 88 for the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. Kendall Watson. Kendall, first off, appreciate you not switching jerseys on me. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> on a good day. <laughs> I was a double check because it's white there, but uh, uh, Kendall, how's it feel, you know, kind of being the, into the starting lineup now? You, this is, I guess, your second game here. Getting that game in Calgary, how big was that to draw in uh, two weeks ago, I guess? Uh, it was exciting, man. It was uh, it was fun to be out there with the guys uh, in, in real action. Uh, it was a pretty good crowd in Calgary as well, so uh, it was a fun game. I'm glad we won, and it was it was good to just be out there and, and just get, get to playing, honestly. Even though you didn't crack the roster initially at week one, did you have that sense that you know wouldn't it be long before you're back here in Regent? Uh, yeah, like they we knew 
like when when they signed me to the practice roster initially, like they told us like, hey, like you you always have to be ready each week because you never know when it's your time. And surely enough, uh, we we had some things happen where I was called into into action, and uh, I'm I'm grateful that the guys have helped had me help me uh, prepare to be ready. It's kind of been a revolving door in terms of that receiving room with a lot of injuries going down. But uh, just talk about, the, you know, three guys who've definitely stepped up in particular, Tevin Jones, Samuel Amelis, and Sean Bain Jr., three guys, rises to the occasion, uh, seizing the opportunity. Just talk about uh, watching a group of teammates like that, seizing the opportunity like those three have. Oh, yeah, man, it just goes back to the work that they put in, man. Uh, ever since I've known them, uh, they all put in lots of work in order to make sure that they're good at their craft and that they're ready when their opportunities come each week. And so I'm not surprised at all that they stepped up the way they did because they put in the work behind all of that and they're they're great players all three of them and when you're talking about putting in the work is that you know we talk about you know obviously the work within practice but is that also a lot of the work that goes out of practice oh yeah absolutely just uh you know saying taking care of your body and uh film study obviously and making sure that you know your playbook all of those things are su such big parts of uh our success here and so uh to come in day in and day out and be consistent with that says a lot to everyone that we have here how have you found your adjustment towards the Canadian game here in your first year? Uh, it was it was it was tough at first, honestly, but uh, it's it's gotten a lot better, uh, and it's 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 coming a lot smoother each week. I get better. I feel like in terms of understanding the game and understanding uh, how I can be successful. What's your thoughts about the waggle? Do you like it, or do you are you trying to still work it, kind of work it more into your game? No, I, I love it. I love it. It's awesome, man. It's just it's like. I'm, I feel like I'm a pretty fast guy, so when I get to have that head start, it feels like I should win every single route. So it's, it's, I love it. I can't. I wish I, I wish I would have had more opportunities to play with it before. Honestly, is that so? Oh, sorry, I was gonna say, does that kind of jump out at you too? That how much you can move around in behind the line of scrimmage here up north? Yeah, it's. I mean, it's. I mean, it almost seems, it seems like unfair for defenses to try to have to deal with because it's just you can do anything back there as long as you don't pass the ball before the snap. So it's. It's, it's amazing, honestly. It's just cool to be out there and just be able to kind of freestyle and as long as you run your route correctly, you still get what you need to get, so it's fun. Just want to get your thoughts about, uh, I guess, you know, we're just over 24 hours away before you get to walk out uh, the tunnel for the first time for yourself here as a member of the Rough Riders. What's your thoughts uh, right now about uh, entering the stadium for the first time as a member of the Green and White? Uh, I'm super excited, man. Uh, I, saw, I saw the home crowd for the Winnipeg game, and I was uh, I was here for that. So it was, I was like, man, like, this would be really cool like, if, I, if I was running out. And so for that time to come so soon, uh, it's, it's going to be really, it's really fun. I'm looking forward to it. I know it's always a great crowd here, so I'm excited for it. It's going to be, it's going to be awesome. Does the fact you play that preseason game, does that help you out, you know, maybe even just to visualize everything that you can prepare for, for yourself for tomorrow? Yeah, a little bit. It does a little bit, just just in terms of understanding, like, how it feels when you're actually in a game environment uh, on the field and all of that. But uh, I will say that the actual crowd being here in, in the way that they will would be different, and it would be exciting. I'll be, I'll be pumped up before the game for sure. And it's a retro night, but are you, as a new player, you kind of look, hoping to bring a a taste of old, new school to the old school night that's going to be tomorrow night. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The retro uniforms we uh, we found out about today, so uh, I'm I'm excited about those too. I, I had to go look at some some pictures so I could see how the how the uniforms are supposed to look all together because this is my first time wearing it. So I'm I'm excited about that, man. I'll try to bring my own own little flavor to it. I just ask you a couple of little retro questions. What was your first football jersey you ever owned? Uh, my first football jersey was a Reggie Bush Saints jersey. Oh, nice. Yeah. And growing up, do you have any memory that kind of sticks up that you're hoping maybe you could possibly repeat tomorrow night? Uh, hmm. I don't know. I, uh, I guess my, my first college touchdown 
was in a was in a, a big game. Uh, so I, I feel like hopefully I can I can recreate that a little bit here out here in Saskatchewan. So hopefully I can I can get in the box and we'll see where it falls. All right, thanks a lot, Kendall. Hey, thank you.